You're listening to The Sue Podcast with your host, Ryan Keeney. This is the place to hear from members of the Sault Ste. Marie community and beyond. We're on a mission to give local voices a platform to share their stories and experiences. Whether it's supporting small business, discussing local politics, or tracking real estate trends. Find it all on the Sioux Podcast. Jennifer Parsons is from Sault Ste. Marie, born and raised. She is a rising star in the local real estate market with a passion for helping others and a deep understanding of the local area. Jen is quickly making a name for herself in the industry. She brings a unique blend of experience to her role as a real estate agent. After earning her Bachelor of Commerce from Nipissing University, she started her career working in the education sector, where she honed her skills in communication and problem solving. In 2019, she made the switch to real estate and has since been making waves in the industry. In just three short years, Jen has gained a reputation as a dedicated and knowledgeable real estate agent. She prides herself on her exceptional customer service and her ability to understand her clients' needs and find them the perfect home. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or a seasoned real estate investor, she has the expertise to guide you every step of the way. With a contagious energy and passion for the area, Jennifer is here to share her insider tips, fascinating stories, and a whole lot of fun. So sit back and join us for a lively conversation with Jen about all things real estate and life in Sault Ste. Marie. Hello, hello. Hi. It's great to have you on the show, Jen. I'm excited. I'm, I'm really excited. So one of the things that I found really, I was talking to you about this before earlier today, that that uh, bio was written by mm-hmm. ChatGPT. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. Like I don't, I don't talk about myself. So like trying to write about yourself is like so strange. So you just go in and like the more information you give them, the better. Yeah. It's like, write me a bio about a realtor from Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. That's so and then literally it like pumps that something out. And then if you don't like it completely, you can be like, okay, but like redo it, but add this. Yeah. Like the more information you feed it, like Holy the more smokes. concise. It's so, it's really cool. Yeah. So for people that don't know what ChatGPT is, for like maybe the five people out there <laughs> that yeah. haven't heard of it yet, yeah. you know, like what, what is that? What's that all about? So it's, um, it's like an open source, like AI tool like chat bot tool you can ask it to write you literally anything and it just scours information from the internet right um and it yeah the more you use it the more like concise it gets and it will like it's supposed to remember your conversations with it right um so you can go back in like realtors are using it like crazy for like listing descriptions like blog posts um okay you know you type in anything really like uh write me a blog post about investing in Sault Ste. Marie and it came out like spit out this like really succinct like really good blog article that I'm definitely going to use. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So what, what impact do you think that's having on the, the real estate profession as a whole? I mean, people um, hire real estate agents, my understanding is because they have certain special skills to describe a piece of property the right way with all the right information that a buyer is looking for, that an investor is looking for. I think that the realtors who are going to use that service are already like highly techie. I okay. don't think it's going to really change the performance of realtors that like don't utilize technology i think it's just going to elevate the other end of the realtor spectrum okay yeah gotcha i've always found from my discussions with real estate agents like coming from the law world Mm because i i I, as people who know me know that i used to own and operate a law firm out in the gta and Mm -hmm. then i sold the firm and i started a new life out here in in sault st marie and that sort of thing so our real estate closings department was a, a huge area, mm-hmm. a, a very, very busy department at KPA Lawyers. And um, 
that gave me a lot of opportunity to network with real estate agents, brokers, mortgage brokers as well, and sort of have some some insight into the different facets of this industry because there's so many people that are involved in it. There's, yes. there's a real estate lawyer, there's a real estate agent, there's the stager, <clears throat> there's the appraiser, there's the inspector. There's the dad. There's <laughs> the family members yeah, that, are, that like to inject themselves into real estate transactions, but yeah. whatever, we love them all. Yeah. And I, I found <clears throat> that it's so like, it's such a local profession. Yes. And that's one of the things that I thought was really exciting about having you on the show at the Sued podcast, because this is your territory. Like, yep. you know, the ins and outs, you can have the best real estate agent in the world, but if they don't know the geographic region, mm-hmm. like the back of their hand, yep. you know, they're not necessarily, well, I assume they're not necessarily going to get you the results you're looking for. But usually not, right? And it's usually like way more frustrating yeah. for all parties. Um, it's it's really frustrating for like local realtors when they're like a client will send me a listing that's on realtor.ca. Okay. And I was like, what? I've never seen this before. And I'm looking and it's it's based out of the Toronto Real Estate Board. Uh, okay. But it's not even posted locally. Okay. Like it's someone that's never been to the Sioux, has never experienced the Sioux, doesn't understand the demographic, doesn't understand price trends. Um, and it's like it, you're doing a disservice to your client, right? Like how can you possibly get the best result for your client if you have no idea the area and the all of the nuances that come with right. like that listing in that particular location. So what sort of nuances, demographics and trends are sort of unique to the Sioux that you don't see like in other parts of Ontario or, or maybe like even just compared to the GTA or whatever? Um, we see a lot more like, I mean, just in general, right? Our real estate and our, our infrastructure is a lot older. Right. Um, so we have a lot of older houses. You're not, we don't have like new subdivisions being built like down the road every year right. with like these brand new one and a half million dollar model homes. It's, it's very much resale homes. Gotcha. Um, you know, when people are, are moving up here, especially yep. to buy a house, it's uh, almost like a shock to them. Like just used to growing up in like brand new builds right. that are like, they're turning over every five years and yep. then they come here and there's like stone basements and there's, there's just like different things to consider when you're purchasing older homes. And then we're so rural too, right? Um, like this Sault Ste. Marie market yeah. is not just like the city of Sault Ste. Marie. It yeah. goes out east. Uh, it goes north. So there's a lot of well and septic. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of just just things that like people that are that are born and raised in a yeah. big metropolitan area just like would never even think of. I I never even thought of it. Yeah. I've 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 come across some actually the well Jay actually the Thessalon property yeah is on a what was it like a well system well yeah. and septic yeah well and septic and I never come across that in my entire life being a city boy. So and imagine having a real estate agent from Southern Ontario. Yeah. That's never worked with a well and septic. Oh my god! This thing before, and then they're trying to list your house <laughs> with zero information on what's up. like. It just doesn't make any sense, right? No. You're screwing over your seller and, yeah. and potential buyer at some point, right? And it's yeah. like real estate agents have to be careful because, like, you right. have a fiduciary to your client. Yeah. Um, and if you can't represent them properly, gotcha. Then, like, refer it out. Do something. Yeah. Like, you're gonna get sued. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, are you finding more sort of like investors from down south taking an interest in the Sioux market? Huge. Or- or, okay, yeah, I imagine so. Yeah, tell me more about that. Yeah, well, I mean, we're just so affordable still. Oh, yeah. Um, We we really don't have many rentals, like yeah. rental vacancies in Sault Ste. Marie. And then there's there's so many factors, right? So we have very much an aging population that okay. need to get out of their, like, multi-story homes. Yeah. So we have that factor. We have a ton of international students year after year. So Ogoma U, Sioux College, are, have been incredible in recruiting international students to come here. Okay. Which is fantastic for the local economy. Not so great for the local housing market. It really puts a strain on it. 
What um, do you mean it puts a strain on it? Because we don't have enough housing. Okay. So on top of the people that are living here and were born and raised here that, right. that need a place to live. Right. Um, we have all of these students that are now here, coming here for a great education, and there's nowhere for them to go. So they're stuck, like, renting out, like, six guys, renting out, like, a little right. basement unit until they right. find something that's more suitable. So that's really drawn a lot of real estate investors up here because gotcha. you can get a decent house, you know, like a four-bedroom student rental in, like, the $350,000 range. It's going to continue to appreciate year over year, yeah. Uh, but you're going to cash flow all day long right. compared to, you know, especially with interest rates right now, compared to buying something that's like even, I don't know, can you even get anything for 700 in Toronto? Like, I don't know. But even something <laughs> for like 700000 Yeah, that's what I mean, right? And <laughs> yeah. like what you're going to have to rent it out for yeah. like $10,000 a month yeah. Yeah, to be able to crazy, yeah. make anything out of it. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's still really attractive. And I think COVID, because the world shut down, like I think so many people like just I had no idea what Northern Ontario was. It's like we didn't yeah. exist. Yeah, people I, I didn't in Southern know Ontario, yeah. right? And now people realize we've had like a ton of like uh, art, like Narcity, I think, and Vice have like done articles yeah. on Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah, I read one in Toronto Life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think it's it, like we're really putting like a map. That's so exciting, map. though. It is. It's like, really exciting. It, it feels like there's this huge. We have ethnic food now. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> <I> <laughs> it's love not that. just Italian. <laughs> <laughs> which is like par for the course in a place like Toronto, but like, yeah, it's, it's, exactly. It represents growth over here. Yeah, absolutely. It, it feels like there's this like quiet economic boom that's happening yes. for people who are watching for people yes. who are looking for that. Yep. And it's like, there's, there's pros and cons, I'm sure. Cause I mean, sort of like what you were, what you were touching on where you have this foreign money, whether it's from, if you consider like it's down South investors mm-hmm. coming into this market and buying up properties and renting them out, or you think about, uh, international students mm-hmm. being funded by wealthy parents in other countries coming here and then it, again spending money in the real estate market mm-hmm. which is all great for the economy I imagine and at the same time you know locals born and raised here who mm-hmm. don't necessarily always have the same economic means maybe some do and some don't mm-hmm. and it's sort of like okay well how am I supposed to keep up with these housing prices how am I supposed to keep up with these real estate prices yep. you know it's just like I don't I'm not a real estate professional, so I don't, I'm not a real estate lawyer nor mm-hmm. an agent. So I like, I'm just, I'm, I don't know how these sorts of things are, are dealt with. It's like, well, who do you look to? You look to the government to fix it. Is there a way that the market can do something about it? It's just like, what? I know. And what? it's such like a, you go down the rabbit hole for like any sort of solution, right? You yeah. Want, you want more government intervention. Well, that's, you know, that's going down the rabbit what hole. What is that even going to look um, like? Yeah, what's right? that going to look like? Yeah, and a lot yeah. of people are like anti-government control and a lot of things like that, yeah. right? It's a free market. Yeah. And obviously the free market, unfortunately, has pushed a lot of people, just like any other industry, yeah. sort of out of the range of buying. Yeah. The flip side of that, though, like the last couple of years, especially during COVID, locals born and raised, like there was definitely tension. Right. Um, like realtors were... The scum of the earth. Oh no! Of years. Oh my uh, gosh! People hated us because, like, we dictate housing prices. Apparently, um, <laughs> which everyone knows is not true. Which, you know, whatever. You need someone to blame. <laughs> but I get it, right? It's frustrating when you, for example, like, say you were twenty-four years old, you like just finished university, and you know you land like a relatively good job. Like, if this was yeah. like five years ago, and you worked for a couple of years, chances are you're going to have a good down payment. You're going to be able to get, you know, yourself a cute little cozy house yeah and now that's just not possible for a lot of people they're completely pushed out and like what they can afford is just you know it just needs so much work or it's like not in locations they want it's not big enough they want to start families 
it's like I get it. It's frustrating. Right. But the suit was stagnant for so many years. Yeah. So on the flip side of like young people being frustrated, older people who are not retiring now have like a, like a retirement fund. Right. Because they haven't, they didn't realize any equity in their house for years and years and years and years and years. And now all, and of, now sudden, all of a sudden yeah. they're sitting on a gold mine, yep. you know, comparatively. Yep. So it goes both ways, right? Like gotcha. our parents are way better off now, but it's making it harder for the children to get into the real estate market yeah so it's just about getting creative honestly and doing like the whole house hacking thing which yeah oh i I was reading an article about how um the i don't i forget what percentage it was but you know a definitely more than half of real estate purchases by sort of young millennials now are occurring with some form of cash gift Mm -hmm. from the bank of mom and dad yep i guess it's tempting to get frustrated with like well you know they just have intergenerational wealth and there's mm-hmm. all these like spoiled rich kids who are buying up all this property at these mm-hmm. at these inflated prices but it's like well no look at the way that the system is designed like what what is it about the system mm-hmm. that is that is putting people in a situation where they have no other choice but to turn to the bank of mom mm-hmm. and dad yep. and if you don't have the bank of mom and dad then yep. you're being squeezed out it's like yep. there's there's a larger framework here that's contributing to this. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And like, there's real no, there's there's really no good answer to it, right? Yeah. It's It's either you're, you're pro free market yeah. or you're pro like government intervention. And, you know, we've seen historically in, in not just real estate, but in like lots of things. When you try to like intermingle those two things, like yeah. problems always rise. Oh, I imagine. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's frustrating. And we're, hopefully we start seeing it level out like a little bit so people can at least get caught up right. in what the heck is going on. Right. Um, and they can start planning. I do think that there's something to be said as well of like obviously our wages and everything haven't haven't kept up with inflation. Yeah. So that that's a whole different argument. But oh, there yeah. is something to be said where new generations, I, I just don't think they understand financial planning. Right. Oh my God. I agree with that. Right. Like how do you you know, you you finally get big boy, big girl job. Yep. And you don't really know what to do with that. Like obviously rents are are outrageously expensive now compared to a few years ago. The cost of living in general has gone up. Right. Um, so your 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 disposable income is becoming less and less. Right. But what do you do with that disposable income to make it work for you? And I think like it's just not taught enough. Like when no. I I worked at when I was still in university, I worked at the bank for a little while. Okay. And the amount of people who came in like arguing with me over their credit card interest. Oh my god. But they're like, well, no, like I I didn't spend this money, and I'm like, no, that's that's the interest that you're you're paying to be able to borrow that money to buy the thing on your card. Oh my god. And they just don't understand what like they don't understand what interest is. Wow. Um, and it's like alarming, really. Wow. And these are the people that are mad that they can't buy a house. Yeah. Well, you should probably. And interest rates, my understanding, is having a massive impact on the housing market right now with the yes. constantly rising interest rates. I think that the other day the Bank of Canada raised it once again within the last couple of weeks. Yes, at the end of January. But I mean, historically speaking, interest rates are still quite low. pretty low. Okay. Um, they're not like I got my house at a 1.89% interest rate. Oh my God. And it's like that for the next three years. Because <laughs> uh, I locked in on that's a really great. good rate, right? That's brilliant. Well, but, that's that's why you're the professional. <laughs> but like, it's still like a four and a half to five percent interest rate when for on a whole house, people will go and spend and max out credit cards at nineteen percent interest, right? And like, that's not financially viable long term, right? And you're not getting anything out of it. Gotcha. So 
you know, interest rates, like they're going to rise and fall. And no matter what, you need a place to live. Yeah. So you're either going to pay rent and like utilize your disposable income in different investments. Yeah. Or you're going to throw all your money into real estate. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I definitely agree on the, the financial literacy side of things. It's like they just don't teach it in school. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and again, maybe the curriculum has changed since I was in school. I but think like, social media, too, honestly. Like, yeah. All these, like, influencers that, like, I don't know, people think now that you can, like, pack up your laptop and go around the world and make millions of dollars by not sitting on a beach. And that's not, it's like, not for a very, 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 yeah. very, very small percentage yeah, of the Yeah, some people, maybe. Right? But, if you're a Kardashian, sure. That that can work, but like the average person, but unfortunately, like all yeah. we're all that's pumped out now on social media is these like yeah. grandiose lifestyles where like doesn't even look like they actually yeah. work, and it's just not realistic. So <clears throat> I think yeah, bringing it back to like just teaching and like literacy, yeah. financial literacy, and like setting. I feel like after graduation, like high school graduation, like every high school student should be set up with a financial planner. <laughs> oh yeah, for right? sure. Right? Like okay, now you're done. Uh, you're getting student loans. This is what it's going to look like. This is how long it's going to take to pay back. Like yeah. these are the fields you like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just setting themselves up. Or, or even, in, yeah. And in the, in the, when you're considering what educational path you want to pursue, mm-hmm. it's like just, just having, and I think this point has been made, you know, many, many times over, especially over the last decade or so. It's, it's not about just having a university degree mm-hmm. or, or just any college diploma. You have to look at, okay, well, what skills am I going to have after this that mm-hmm. someone is going to be willing to pay for? Yep. And, you know, it's, it's unfortunately, you're just, you're just not going to go to university and get like a bachelor, I don't know, in philosophy or something mm-hmm. and expect that someone's going to pay you to like. It'll be really interesting philosophize to talk to. All day. Yeah, you right? will be. Yeah. But who's going to pay you for that? Yeah. Well, I, I guess I mean, depends on how you market yourself. If you, if you yeah. like do a philosophy major and then like minor in marketing and yeah. you're able to like put out like a, like a self-help ebook or something yeah I don't know. exactly you know i was I mean? just gonna say there's yeah. ways to make money and everything it's you can just, monetize it yeah exactly you just have to be you have to put in the work like that yeah. stuff that stuff is not easy right yeah. the people who actually make money like the big youtubers and yeah streamers and all that stuff like they're not just like sitting there like twiddling their thumbs for the rest of the day they're putting in like 12 14 hour days they yeah. work hard oh for sure and they hustle yeah. to get sponsorship so for sure you know it looks really easy yeah because it, like from our end like if it looks really easy, they're doing their job well. Yeah. And it, it's like there are on the topic of the whole financial literacy thing and, and, and how that overlaps with social media influencers. I have come across occasionally like really like channels that provide a lot of value in that regard where mm-hmm. it's not like selling this ridiculous dream, but it's more like just here are the facts of how money works mm-hmm. in this economy where it's like, OK, if you do, if you are lucky enough to have some excess wealth at the end of the month. And you're not in a position where like all of your money has gone towards like food and rent or whatever. Mm-hmm. Where is that? Where should that go? Right. Yeah. And, and there's only a small list of things you could put it into. Yes. Like there's like a TFSA an RRSP or you buy some real estate yeah. or you throw it into a savings account and then it basically just loses value over time with inflation. Yeah, exactly. So it's like and then then again, it's like, OK, well, I don't know enough about real estate to go take whatever savings I have and start investing in that. I don't know about the stock market. So let's say I put my money in my TFSA. What, what stocks am I supposed to buy? It's like yeah. no one's telling people that. No, stuff. exactly. It's like there's it's like so gate kept. Yeah. Right. Um, and it's it's the gatekeepers are there to make money off of people who don't understand. Right. Yes. Like ignorance equals dollar signs. Yeah. In every industry. Oh, yeah. not just real estate, not just fight like every industry. 
Um, if someone doesn't know something, you can make money off of teaching them. Right. So, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I mean, historically speaking, um, real estate's always giving you the best rate of return, right? Yeah. As long as you're holding on to it. Like there's, right. you know, the last couple of years we saw a lot of people get in and do like really quick makeup flips yep. and, and resell it for crazy amounts of money. Yep. It kind of came back to bit, bite a lot of them at like near the tail end of 2022. How so? When interest rates started increasing. Okay. Especially like down uh, down south. So like the yep. London areas and when, so like not the GTA itself, but yep. so are those like surrounding communities. Yeah. You know, you, you bought high because you bought when interest rates were low. You took X amount of time to renovate the house with the anticipation that you were going to be able to sell it for X amount of dollars. Yep. Well. Well, the rug kind of what? got pulled out from under you, yeah. right? And now yeah. a lot of them are underwater. Yep. They're they're losing their shirt because they, they just they didn't plan for it. And that's that's kind of the that's the risk you take when you try to like get yep. rich quick with yep. real estate. But if you're if you're buying to hold on to it, yeah, you know, long term, you're not you're you're probably unless like it gets dried up and like we become Elliott Lake or something. Right, right. Even Elliott Lake's kind of booming right now. Um, well, so for people who don't know that reference, what does that mean? So Elliott Lake is like uh, like an hour and a half, two-ish hours, like sort of east of us. Okay. And it's just like, it's it's just known as like a retirement community because uh, there's okay. like really nothing there. Gotcha. So unless that happens and you're, or something catastrophic happens to the city or like the steel plant shuts down or right. whatever, right? Finding someone that aligns like with how you do business and someone that can can get really creative because, you know, most of the time, unless you have like a 300 credit score and zero savings right. and, you know, you're, you've declared bankruptcy three times. Okay. Chances are you're going to be able to get financing somehow, some way. So it's just a matter of aligning yourself with people that can get it done and can think of creative solutions. And they have really good relationships with like their underwriters and their lenders. So that for sure. So once you're able to like get someone, like people who, who never thought they could ever own real estate ever, that there's ways of doing it, right? So right. a lot of people don't know that you can pull from your RRSP. So if you're if you're working in a place that like matches it, yeah, um, which is pretty common now as as a standard sort of uh, compensation package, yeah. is like RRSP matching. Well, a lot of people don't know that you can pull from that to buy your first house as a right. down payment. Mom and dad, like just because they don't have say forty grand sitting around in the bank account, they want to help their kids. You know, it's you can pull equity out of your house and right. that. And like there's there's so many different creative options to get people into houses. Yeah. And it's uh yeah, the last few years have been kind of it's I mean kind of up and down in okay. the sense that, you know, people are frustrated because they, they feel like they paid quite a bit, but at the same token, like I've had a lot of investors come back after a year of, of owning the yep. investment purchases that they have. They're like, hey, we wanted, we went to go refinance it and pull equity out, and like, we we refinance like it appraised way over what we thought it would. Like, oh, we're wow. sitting on like we're in a really really good financial position. Like, let's amazing. go get another one. Yeah. But same with first time home buyers. Like, I helped a lot of first time people get into homes, and some of them are from Southern Ontario. Okay. And they came to me, and they're like, you know, they they send me like Snapchats and Instagram <laughs> stories and stuff of like yeah. your house and stuff, yeah. and they're like, oh my god, I, we wouldn't even get a quarter of this. Um, in Southern Ontario, like oh, for sure. they come up here and they actually can own a home and maybe retire yep. in the future. Uh, maybe own a camp, maybe have a have a few toys, like recreational toys. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like yep. like they're living the dream up here where they never thought possible. Like, yeah, it's colder and it's smaller and we have less things, but 
um, overall, like people have been really, really happy coming up here. I've never been, and I said this on a previous episode, I've never been happier compared to like the, like what my life was like mm-hmm. living in the big city mm-hmm. or whatever compared to that, to what it's been like over here. Like it's just apples and oranges. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm just, I would, I would never go back. I, I really? love the lifestyle up here. And like, Sometimes yeah. we get the odd person that's like, no, mm-mm, I can't do this. Like, there's not enough people. There's not enough going on. And, like, yeah. that's fine, right? Like, people, some people really love rural activities. Some yep. people really love city life. But, yeah, like, I had uh, one of my, a couple of my clients that came up. They got married in oh, their wow. first home that they bought here in their okay. backyard. Like, adorable. They're just, they're the cutest people ever. They got another <laughs> dog. Like, they're just, they're living the life. And, like, when they first moved up here, like, yeah. it's it's a little bit nerve-wracking. Yeah. Because, you know, they're trusting you based on, like, virtual tours and stuff. But ve- it's very much sight unseen. So, they, they didn't even take the trip up to the zoo no. to see the house. No. That, oh, my God. And it's happened so many times. And, like, Good it's, Lord. I haven't had a bad experience yet. Okay. Thank God. But it's so nerve-wracking. Like, once you open the door for them, you're like, oh, my God, I well, yeah, that takes a certain <laughs> level. I imagine that takes a certain degree of bravery on the buyer's part. Oh, They're making this massive investment. Absolutely. And I know that like when I bought this house, I uh, I came up to the Sioux like I had done so many times before. Mm-hmm. And I um, I stayed like I got like a week at the Delta Hotel. Mm-hmm. And I just like saw as many houses as I, as I could fit into that week. Yep. And I really liked this one. I put an offer and everything just worked. It, it was so fast, but I, I wanted it to be fast because I was yes. only here for so many days. Yes. And then I had to head back to the GTA and stuff. And I had a trip planned. I had to catch a flight. There was lots of stuff going on. So, you know, yeah, it's it's pretty incredible that people are doing virtual tours and, and coming here. I'm glad mm-hmm. that they're coming here. I'm glad that there's more people taking an interest in, like, buying homes here and starting mm-hmm. their lives here. It, and it, they're skilled yeah. workers, right? Because, like... To get mortgage financing when you're, yep. like, moving from one location to another, like, yep. a bank or a lender isn't just going to be like, okay, like, that works out. Sure, I'm just going to trust you get a job. Like, no. Right. You need a job letter. Right. You need proof that you are going to have consistent work once you move here. Right. So, a lot of the people that are buying houses up here, um, like, first-time home buyers, like, relocating up north, like, they're skilled workers. Gotcha. Um, filling vacancies that have been vacant for a while. Like, they're they're filling a need in the community. On top of like injecting sort of new life, yeah, right. They they have new pers- they have different perspectives. Oh yeah, um, they're coming from different places. Yep. So it's cool, and like some of them are starting like their own businesses here. Yeah, and like they wouldn't have been able to do that because there's too much competition in, in Toronto. Oh, so for sure. It's real. It's like a, it's a really cool thing to see. Yeah, and and it's the the people like the first time home buyers that I've helped move up here. Yeah, <clears throat> they're so like unique to one another. Like their personality, like, you know how, yeah. you know, sometimes like to people who love living in the city, yeah. you know, you kind of, you see this like general archetype in your head yeah. of that type yeah. of person. Oh yeah. I know. Um, <laughs> but moving up here, right? Like we're not dog sledding every day. Like yeah. people think we, we are in Northern Ontario. <laughs> I don't know, Jay, you guys go dog sledding every day? <laughs> um, uh, not quite. <laughs> but you know, I've had, I've had like gamers move out, like yeah. super like introverted yeah. don't really like leaving their house like yeah. gamers move up here i've had people that are like so excited to like get out on like the hiking trails yeah and, yep. and explore like the ogoma region and i like it's it's just a really cool yeah that the sioux attracts like so many different types of people oh yeah oh my gosh like just all the we're like the, our, our little northern ontario melting pot yeah <laughs> yes yeah, so, i mean I've, I've been visiting the sioux for years before i i moved and Generally, for obvious reasons, I would I would uh, 
plan my visits in the the summer mm-hmm. and it's just like just incredible like driving up to to lake superior in the tesla on a bright mm-hmm. and sunny day and i'm just like i mean i guess there are pockets of nature down south and stuff it's just i don't know the, strategically the, planned yes strategically placed <laughs> like go to this very specific place and you can see some trees yeah exactly it's like here you're just like basking in it yeah. and it's it's it really it's very healing i guess that's the word i'm looking and for. it's accessible to people i yeah. find like i was just in toronto a couple or not last weekend the weekend before you know i, I like i visited toronto like every year since i was a kid right yeah. I, I used to love going to toronto and I, I don't not love going to toronto now but like i definitely like coming back home after i bet but i find it so interesting so they have like the harbor front okay. like the waterfront and it's just like it's so monetized. Yeah, you have you have to spend a ton of money to enjoy yourself yeah. at the water. Yeah, we're here. It's like you know you drive like fifteen minutes to Point Duchesne, and you have like this beautiful sand beach that you can lay in all day. And it's yep. like besides getting there, yeah, it costs you nothing but the gas, right? Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, like this is a lot nicer. Yeah, instead of like having like four breweries that you can choose from, and yeah. like, yeah, I yeah. don't know, it's 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 different. It's like we're we're just more accessible to those types of things up here. Yeah. Well, but, someone's going to hear this podcast and be like, I'm moving to Sault Ste. Marie. That's okay. Call me. I'll find them something. Yeah. No, we love this. Area. I love this. Area. I never used to. Like, growing up, yeah. I think that's, like, normal for, like, every kid, though. Yeah. Growing up, I'm like, oh, I hate this. I can't wait to get out. So, I like, I applied to, like, Ryerson University out of high school. And, okay. Like, no, I can't wait to get out. I hate the Sioux. And then you chose Nipissing. Oh, I stayed here, though. I okay. worked full time. So, I did it online. Yeah. So, I didn't. I've never lit left. Like, I've never moved out of the Sioux. Um, I've You're traveled. True Suite. I'm a true yeah. tried and true Suite. Yeah. And now, like, I I don't necessarily want unless I'm moving somewhere like smaller. Gotcha. Like I could see like moving to like the East Coast, but I gr- I grew up on on the East Coast. Really? Where? Yeah, yeah, Bedford, Nova Scotia. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I was there for a good ten years of my my childhood and a bit of my adolescence. It's beautiful. That's it's, probably why yeah. you were drawn to the Sioux. Oh yeah, that's a hundred. In fact, that's exactly what I've told people before. Yeah. You just sort of figured it out. Yeah, I I, I have a lot of fond memories of that mm-hmm. that uh, part of the country, and uh, I would I would certainly like to go back. I don't I don't I don't think you and Tracy have been there before, Jay. Have you? No, we haven't. Yeah, we could take a nice long road trip out to long. Know, Oh yeah, it's like it's like a two day drive. Yeah, oh yeah, it's, yeah, it's oh, long. Yeah. But the thing is, like, you Beautiful. get there and it's totally worth it. Like the ocean and just like, oh my gosh, it's it's something and the people else. are just beautiful yeah. out there. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, it's so much fun. Yeah, I think, I, and I think you're 100 percent correct. There was something about you know small town, rural Ontario that was like sort of drawing me back to my roots. And I mean, lakes, yeah. like, I mean, lakes Perry is on ocean, but like yeah. it's it's our ocean. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It's like Ontario's ocean. Yeah, I I, I was thinking about like, I want to take a drone out there. And just like fly around at, up at Lake Superior, just like taking all the scenery. If you had a really and, good drone, you'd probably be able to see like old mine shafts and stuff, depending on how wow. far you went and how clear the water was that day. Like you'd probably see some cool stuff under the water. Wow. And like that, the thought of that terrifies me. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I love the water, being yeah. near the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't necessarily love being on the water. No, I, I hear you. I, I had a, I had an experience. I was in the, um, I was visiting, where was it? It was, Punta Cana in the Dominican. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, this was like a few years ago. It was it was a while back, and uh, I decided that I wanted to go scuba diving for the first time. Oof. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The story doesn't get any better, but I I, I don't want to draw it out. I'll give you the Coles Notes version. I ended up going, and uh, I had all my gear on me and everything. Jumped into the water, and 
I had a very bad experience. Maybe, really? maybe I just don't have the talent for it or I didn't know what I was doing, but like, it was my first time out there. The ocean waves seemed like they were a little bit more aggressive that day than they should have been. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah. like, I just got caught up in some waves and I'm like, oh no, like take panicking. me back. Yeah, yeah. Panicking. Take me back to the boat. And like, yeah. they, you know, the instructor was like, all right, pointing at the boat, like swim that way. Yeah. yeah I was yeah. like, ah, <laughs> and I yeah, go back. No. Yeah. I uh, I can appreciate it. Absolutely. <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. Water is beautiful. I can appreciate yeah. all that it offers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 okay being planted at the beach. <laughs> like beer in my hand and yeah. like everyone else can yeah. gotcha. explore what is underneath the yeah. water. I, no. I my curiosity isn't strong enough to go figure out what's no. down at the ocean floor. No. No. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like when I, I was in Newfoundland over the summer with my dad. Okay. And uh first time like well, I, I was there when I was like a really small kid, but yeah. so like Nothing that I really fully remember. Okay. So his friends um, from like childhood yeah. have this, they call it a cottage. It's a freaking house uh, <laughs> on the ocean. Okay. And they took us fishing yeah. uh, for like hours. Like one day it was, first of all, it was warmer in St. John's Newfoundland on the Atlantic Ocean than it was back home, Good like Lord. back here. Okay. It was beautiful. Like north, of my, my dad was like flabbergasted. Yeah. He had, he had, you know, he's used to like rain, wind, fog. Yeah cold weather all the time um and it just like wasn't so we were on the north atlantic in like shorts and a t-shirt it was okay. beautiful and what i enjoyed about the ocean at that point is it's so deep you can't see underneath it. okay you have no idea well which is also kind of terrifying because like a whale could come up and like, you know what i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but like it's uh yeah you couldn't see anything under it so it was like a little bit more relaxing you're yeah. not like what's that thing like crawling around underneath my boat like it's uh have you done any traveling outside of Canada at all? No. Well, Never. besides, like, I've been to Detroit. Okay, well, yeah. Right, 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 at, right at the border. Doesn't count. Like, <laughs> Technically in America. No, I haven't yeah. yet, actually. My father had promised me after high school that he was going to send me to Cuba as my graduation gift, but uh, none yeah. of my other friends' parents thought it was a good idea to send, like, two 18, two or three 18-year-old girls to Cuba by yeah, themselves. It's, yeah, it's unfortunately not safe. <laughs> not so, always a safe yeah, I still haven't gone. It's... Yeah, well, but like okay. that's fine. I'm not like super into the resort thing. Yeah, it's like expensive, and you're just I don't know. I'd rather well, like take that money and go back to like Newfoundland or go to Europe or something. Yeah, I so I've I've spent a little bit of time in in Greece and and Turkey and uh, Jay and Tracy and I were thinking of maybe going to Costa Rica or something like that. You know, just just I've heard Costa Rica is beautiful. Yeah, I and I have a real estate friend in Toronto who's been trying to get me to go to Costa Rica because her brother has a resort down mm. there and it's apparently she tells me a really great place to invest in real estate. So like it's, it's such a daunting thing to consider because I was like, do I want to buy some property maybe in Costa Rica, maybe in Greece? Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, like when I got off the plane from, uh, well, I was in Turkey and then I took a flight from Istanbul to Athens. Okay. As I'm getting off the plane and I'm walking through the airport, like, they have these huge billboards inside the airport that, uh, like, you can't miss. As you get off the plane, you're going to see it. Okay. And they're encouraging foreign nationals to invest in Greek tourism by basically buying up vacation rentals. Because their economy is tanked. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's, like, the safest investment, but, like, you I didn't a, do it. <laughs> you have a place to live, and, like, and, yeah. like, Greece is beautiful. So. Yeah. And I thought to myself, okay, well, 
people from all over the world love at least the idea of vacationing in Greece. I yes. went there and actually did it and I absolutely loved it. Yeah. So like my my lived experience lived up to the expectations Which I had. Which is nice because it doesn't always happen. Yeah, yeah it doesn't I've always. I've heard people, yeah. you know, people like go to Paris and everything like that. And yeah. like they're super disappointed when they get there. And they're just like, it's dirty. It's over, like it's overpopulated. There's too yeah. many tourists. Like, yep. Yep. I hear you. And it's just like not, it doesn't live yeah. up to it. I want to go to like Ireland. Oh, yeah. Ireland, Scotland, like do that whole thing. I, I just feel like it'd be so much fun. Oh, yeah, I bet it would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Whenever I go to a place and I have a lot of fun in that country, my mind, it's just the way my brain works. My mind always thinks, how can I buy like a vacation rental yeah. property here? Like, yeah. how can I rent it out to tourists when I'm not here so and then, then use it myself? Yeah, have a place to stay. When I was, when we got back from Newfoundland, I looked at my dad and I'm like, hey, <laughs> I was like, we should buy a house in your hometown. And when we go back, then we have a place to stay. Cause like, that's like one of the biggest expenses really is staying. Yeah. And we were fortunate. I was. I was in charge of like booking everything. I was just like, hey, dad, let's do a father daughter trip back yeah. to your hometown. So I was in charge of booking everything. Yeah. And I like waited. I'm, I procrastinate a lot. Yeah. Okay. And I waited till the last minute. And it, the week we were going happened to be the George Street Festival week. Okay. Uh, so everything was booked. I was very fortunate to find an Airbnb. Okay. Like 10 minute walk from downtown. Nice. St. John's. It wasn't cheap. Yeah. For sure. But I'm like, hey, honestly, like the cost of real estate in St. John's and in Newfoundland in general is very minimal. And if cool. if I can generate that much income in a week, then like it's kind of a no brainer. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just it. I feel like, well, you brought up the whole Airbnb thing. And mm -hmm. I, I, I wanted to talk to you about that on this mm -hmm. on this episode, just because as you'll probably already remember the the circumstances under which we met. Yes. I was going to put this property on Airbnb. Yes. You know, obviously plans changed. The, the way my life was unfolding changed in a very short amount of time. But at that moment, on that particular day or month or whatever, mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? I think I really want to Airbnb this place. I think there'll be some interest in it. You know, it'll it'll get booked, whatever. Mm -hmm. I'll head back to the GTA and keep doing what I've been doing down there for all those all the years that I've been doing it. Yep. That never happened. But I, I put this message out on a, like one of the Facebook groups and you know, there's, it's kind of cool that like, you know, you want to connect with the community in mm -hmm. the Sioux, you, the first place to go is like a Facebook group instead yes. of just Googling something. I know. And yeah. that's, that's quite different. It's hyper local. What, yeah. It's very local. Like, I mean, if I'm looking for, a, you know, someone to help me do something in, in the GTA, I'll, I'll search on Google and I'll see a bunch of companies and I'll read their Google reviews and I'll call like I a front feel desk. awful for people who post in those groups being like, I'm looking for a realtor to help. And like, <laughs> I can only imagine how inundated these people get with messages from like real. I don't even like, unless like it's directly referred to me. Like I don't even. Yeah bother because i'm yeah. like you literally probably like, within seconds you probably have like a hundred people like in oh my DMs god right now. yeah i was so just just from posting that saying hey you know i, I have this property i want to put on airbnb like are there any realtors out there with experience with this stuff you're absolutely correct i was like inundated with a flood of messages mm -hmm. and i was like oh no like I, but i was the best <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i did talk to a number <laughs> of realtors and then like i think you you need to have a certain level of sort of passion and hunger for your industry yeah. where it's not just a job. It's something that you do. It's something you do. It's something you really enjoy. Mm -hmm. It's something that makes you happy. Exactly. And and, and and when you have that feeling, your clients can see it. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. It, I like always say like it's it's weird because I went from, you know, working full time in the education sector yeah. to like going full force into real estate. And yeah. I'm like, I feel weird because I feel like I don't have a job. <laughs> I'm like, that's the goal, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, I'm just like, I don't, I don't feel like, like I'm hobby. actually working. Yeah. Like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I kind of felt the same way. Well, some days were better than others, but I felt the same way when I was running my law firm. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, this is stressful, but it's also super fun to me. Yes. And I don't really, I don't really feel like this is work, quote unquote. It's fun to grow it. Yeah. You it's know, fun like, to see like where it can go. Yeah. And I think that's what like continues to light the fire under me is because like there's, there's unlimited potential. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and continuing on the Airbnb stuff that I was, I was mentioning a moment ago, you know, we haven't had a chance to talk about how Airbnb has sort of been impacting the local Sault Ste. Marie community. Obviously mm-hmm. everyone talks about like, oh, all the condos in Toronto are being mm-hmm. bought up by institutional investors and then they're putting them up on Airbnb for like $700 a night. Mm-hmm. Like this is crazy. What happened to the traditional long-term rental for just families to live in? So that topic has been belabored in the big cities, but like I'm curious to know how sort of this, the Sioux area has been reacting to the big, you know, all the short-term rental investors. Honestly, like Airbnb still isn't like this huge thing in the Sioux that it is in Southern Ontario. It's right. definitely picked up. So when I got into real estate initially, we, Gene uh, Morrison and I and uh, Sarah okay. Marshall were kind of in like this beginning stages of forming superior property management. Okay. So we were kind of trying to come up with ideas of, different types of portfolio holders to target okay and one of those things was airbnb right and originally we were looking and there really wasn't many vacation rentals anything like that like okay. in, in the entire radius of st marie and now you go on it and there's there's multiple places that are up and i don't know if I, i'd have to do more research into it i don't know if it's people are purchasing houses for the purpose of airbnb right or if people are trying to figure out how to pay their mortgage. Right. And they're like airbnb out parts of their house, right? House hacking. You house were talking hacking. about that earlier. Yeah. yeah, yeah and I mean, yeah. if you have the like the the space to do that, like why wouldn't you, right? Right, right. So there, there has been a little bit of pushback from the city. Okay. I know last year there was a group of, of citizens in, in Sault Ste. Marie that own uh, short-term rental properties. Okay. Kind of sort of petitioned the city because they wanted to enact sort of stronger regulations around it. Right. And now... So there's, there there are so you now you need a permit, okay, and you need um like it needs to be inspected, make sure that you know the fire marshal needs to come in, make sure it's good, which like honestly good, okay. I feel like yeah. that should happen, yeah. right? You don't like why would you want to rent your house out to somebody if it's like a death trap? Yeah, and like nobody's given them their stamp of approval or exactly yeah. I like the and honestly the fees like the actual application fees and stuff aren't outrageous. Okay. Is it a bit of a money grab? Sure, like every right. other permit ever. But it's been it's been okay. Like they haven't like completely kiboshed or like put any sort of real restrictions on to doing Airbnbs. Right. So so far, I think that's probably what we're going to continue to see. Well, that, um, that seems to be good news to mm-hmm. me because I, I mean, like there are places that have just outright banned Airbnb. Yes. Entire cities, yes. entire municipalities, and I'm just yes. like, I don't know if that's necessarily good for the economy the like, is very protectionist though so it's yeah. very it's interesting to me that they're allowing airbnb which like i think is a great thing yeah but we can't have like uber that's so weird we can have we have local yeah we have, like ucab uh started doing like yeah ucab used to be union cab and then okay. it was bought out and she's taken it and just sort of rebranded it now okay. it's like an app and it's very similar to uber right right but yeah we don't have lyft we don't have uber because it it like it affects like our local like taxi market. Oh, okay yeah 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 and i'm like but we have airbnb and we have hotels like how is that any different yeah i i i get you yeah it's it's like sort of this balancing between how do you protect the and it's crazy because you have wait times are like over an hour 
Really? We need more. We need like we don't have enough transportation for people who need it. Oh my god! It's like I didn't know that. Yeah, we have Yellow Cab, we have UCab, we have Easy Ride. Easy Ride is another like new company right. where it's like an app based, and then we have Driver Seat. Yeah, Driver Seat's like kind of a different model. Yeah, which is a franchise. Yeah, but it's different because it doesn't just offer taxi services. They'll like bring your car home for you. Right. But yeah, other than that, like we like okay, right? Why can't we have like we, we, there's clearly still a demand. Yeah. Yeah, and I, if somebody I, owns a car and wants to make money with that car, yeah, as long as we're going through all the proper licensing and they have the right, um, like insurance and everything like that, and they're protected. Like, why can't you? Why should anyone stop them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I hear you. Yeah, I agree. I feel like some, and maybe it's a small group of people, they just feel comfortable if their home that they've always known and loved stays exactly the way it is yes. and doesn't change. Yep. Regardless of how much innovation comes to. Mm-hmm you know, society and how many people can benefit from that. And, you know, like you said, like everyday regular people who just have a car and want to make some extra money, like mm-hmm. it'll benefit their lives. Regardless of all those benefits, like there's a pocket of people that are like, no, this is how we've always done things. Yes. I just want to do it, keep doing it that way. Yes. I, I don't think overall in terms of like the larger societal benefit, I don't think that sort of attitude is helpful to the community no. at large. But it, again, it's like getting getting governments and also small communities mm-hmm. to like change and, and innovate and grow. It's, it's tough, right? It's very, it's very tough. And I said like when the world sort of shut down a couple of years ago, I said like, you know, as awful as it was for literally everybody, I thought it was really, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Um, and I was very curious to see what the world was going to look like once everything opened back up. Yeah. Because it was adapt or die. Like literally the definition of adapt or die for businesses. Yeah. So if you could adapt and, you know, bring technology into your business and find a way to service and uh, help your, your clients or your customers or whatever the case may be on a digital level, that was, you know, uh, taking into account all of right. like, the new restrictions and things like that and all the rules. Those people, f- and they're s- continuing to flourish yeah. Uh, because now they've, you know, now that everything's opened back up, yep. because they were able to adapt and go digital on a lot of things, now they have a secondary income stream Yep. in the same business that they've had for years and years and years. And I think the same goes just for community in general, right? Yep. Like adapt or die. Yeah. You can keep the same or the exact same, but this sounds dire, but like, the overall population is getting older. Right. So newer and newer people are going to be taking over uh, and younger and younger people are going to be taking over like these key areas of decision making. So if you don't start adapting a little bit, you're going to wake up one day and it's like going to be completely different. Yeah. Um, and you're not even going to have time to evaluate or assess what's going on. It's just going to be like changed. Right. Were so, you running a company, running your business through right through the pandemic? Or did you open your business after the pandemic? Uh, right before. Oh, okay. Right before. Wow, that must have been. It was interesting. <laughs> yeah, like you're like, all right, I got my business all set up. Boom, pandemic hits. Yes. Like, and it was it was okay, right? But I'm I, maybe because of my demographic, like right. I understand technology and like right. I, I understand how social media works and how effective it is as a tool. Yeah. And like for virtual tours, when you know it's not, you can't go like sh- you can't show face to face for a little yeah. while. Knowing how to utilize those applications and things yeah. like that was incredibly helpful. And you saw your business grow because did. you did all that. That's yeah. that's really incredible. Yeah. I actually that reminds me of what exactly what we did at KPA back then. Like people were, were freaking out. They're like, you know, is are we going to have 
a job tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Like, are people still going to be hiring lawyers and stuff? When I was sort of leading the charge at the time when I still owned that company, I was like, okay, we need to radically rethink the entire sort of customer journey workflow of what it feels like to hire a lawyer. You know, a lot of people had this idea or an expectation that they're going to call the front desk, book an appointment, show up, sit in a waiting room, mm-hmm. walk into a boardroom, meet this lawyer sitting it's there daunting. in a suit. Yeah, it's, it's it's this way of doing things. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well we can't do that anymore. So, let's um let's have this online system where you want to talk to a lawyer, just click 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 here and then you're on Zoom and you're talking to a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And you can you can receive those legal services whether it's like a like a home closing or whatever, you can do it completely from the comfort of your home. Yep. You don't have to go to the law office to sign the paperwork for your yep. housing purchase or whatever. And people loved that. Like mm-hmm. you can, the, the lawyers loved it because it made their their days simpler. Yes. Clients loved it. They didn't have to leave their home. They yep. got what they needed right from the comfort of their house. <clears throat> like ev- everything was just made better in terms of the workflow. Yeah. And what I found really fascinating as far as like the legal world was concerned was the justice system itself was forced to modernize. Yeah. That was something that Ontario was probably a decade late Mm -hmm. to do. We had virtual justice happening in America in a very, very efficient way, at least from what I was seeing on Twitter and stuff. Right. And Ontario, it took them a little bit longer, but eventually, you know, we were having court dates and court sessions were being held over Zoom and everything was just you know, everyone was happy to see that. It was yeah, absolutely. One of the silver linings of the sort of chaos that came about mm-hmm. that sort of wreaked havoc on, you know, the law industry, the real estate industry and all these other industries. But they were forced to, like you were saying, adapt or die. And, mm-hmm. and that adaption process was just really fun to watch. And definitely fun to watch. But it's again, right, like you wake up and it's changed because yeah. it has to. Yeah. So unless you're like kind of watching what's happening and like interested in adapting, like, yeah. you know, in increments over time, yeah, um, it makes it so much harder once you're kind of just like forced to, right? right. So it's interesting. I also find it interesting after COVID, after everything opened back up, I've been finding, I love marketing. Yep. I'm My fiance always makes fun of me because I'll like <laughs> be walking down an aisle like, ooh, that's pretty. And because like, I like the, pa- I appreciate yeah. the packaging or yeah. the marketing or yeah, whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but I'm finding that big companies now are almost reverting back to very old school, like nostalgic type of marketing. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, at least that's what I've been finding. Like right. it's, you know, during COVID, everything was like, zoom this, zoom that, yeah, digital yeah. this, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, like yeah. now that people are are open back up and yeah. like it's been a little, like, it's been like a year now, right? Yeah, it's 2023 now. Like, right? Um, is it over yet? <laughs> I, who know, yeah. Knock on wood. Um, <laughs> but I've been finding like, yeah, like a lot of commercials and stuff now are like kind of going back to the root. Yeah. Of like what the company was founded on, and like yep. it's their their messaging is like a lot more simple, yeah. Living like more simply at one on one communication, and um, and I don't know if it's just like a cyclical thing in marketing that yep. you know it just goes through trends over and over, but it it's just interesting to me. Like it's confusing for consumers first yep. of all because you went through two years of like hyper digital everything, and if you yep. didn't understand digital, it's like you were you're just left out. You're just left out, yeah. and like. You can't get a job. You can't whatever, right? Yeah. And now it's like reverting back to like very home basic yeah. messaging. And like, it's just, it's interesting. To that me that, to that, that sounds interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's different from, you know, I, I followed this um, realtor in Hamilton who uh, like she talks about on her channel, her TikTok channel that like pretty much all of her clientele now, hundred mm-hmm. percent of it comes from TikTok. Who is it? Uh, Madeline Towns. 
I follow her too. Yeah, I yeah, love her. Yeah, very, very, very relevant, valuable, helpful content. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. found like it's there's. I mean, there's there's a ton of real estate agents who have TikTok channels, but it really takes yeah work to 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 publish. She makes it simple. Yeah, exactly. Which simple. is wonderful. That's what I love. Like yeah, people. And again, this goes back to like the gatekeeping yeah. of information and knowledge, um, which is crazy to me that people think that's like that that should even be a thing anymore because we have the internet. Yeah. Like people can Google things and get information for themselves, right? Yeah. But the gatekeeping of information where there's so many people, especially first time home buyers or or, you know, older people who haven't bought or sold for like twenty five years. Yeah. They just think that real estate is such a complicated process. Okay. And it's not. Or it doesn't have to be. It doesn't right. have to be. And yeah, like, obviously, yeah. like you want to hire a professional in, in whatever regard to, yeah. to help represent you, right? Because they know the, the legalities behind everything. Right. And they can help protect you and write a contract that protects your interests. Oh, for best, sure. Right? But it's really not that complicated. Like, once you find something you like, it's a pretty, you know, as long as you write a really strong offer, you know, pretend that there was no other competition on the house and you're the only offer and you and the seller can come to the table and yeah. you're all happy. Once that process happens, which could happen in a matter of hours, yeah. right? Depending on the offer. And if you go back and forth or not, like once that happens, you, you send your deposit within 24 hours and you're kind of just, you do your due diligence and you just yeah. wait for closing day. Yeah. Like finding the right house and yeah. like shopping for the house is the most complicated part of the entire real estate process when you're buying. Um, and then like just prepping your home to make it the most marketable when you're selling. That's yeah. the most complicated process of it. Prepping the home. You were telling uh, Tracy and I that uh, unfortunately the Sioux doesn't really have like staging companies the way you'd find in like larger cities where it's like everybody's staging their properties as just like mm -hmm. a, a matter of course. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, if, if you have like a professionally staged house, it's an extremely rare thing to see. Very rare. If ever, you know. Like, yes, very rare. And I like I love staged homes. Right. But it has to like... I can't feel stage. Right. There's a nuance, right? Yeah. Um, we, we do have a local realtor in the Sioux, um, uh, Kim Porco, who is an interior designer. Okay. Um, and I think she and like some of her colleagues will, will like stage their places. Okay. Um, but it's very, it's not like a, there's no real like staging company per se. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm working on that with one of my, one of my business colleagues. Nice. Uh, so hopefully that's up and running at some point this year. We're, we're just kind of compiling some inventory right now. That's cool. We should we should collaborate because it's yeah. funny. I, I don't have a chance to tell you, but uh, Tracy and I put a lot of thought into creating one specifically yes. because of There's the comment you made to nothing. us. Yes. Yeah. You were like, oh, it, it doesn't exist here. And I was like, really? I'm like, well, why don't why don't we just make one? Mm -hmm. And she started like shopping around for I like furniture staging. and stuff. Yeah. I love staging. It's like my talk. most fun thing. Like, yeah. I will spend all day in a house like just yeah. just give me a blank canvas and some furniture and i'll put yeah. it together for yeah. you yeah. um it's it, i love staging and honestly it just feels better right like when you're a realtor and you're listing a home yeah and like i'm not going to disparage anybody like oh. they, they want to do their business how yeah. they want to do their business but yeah, like yeah, yeah. i think as a listing agent i want to treat your home like my home yeah and represent it in the best light and it just feels better when you're representing a home that looks professionally done yeah. As sure. opposed to like, you know, you're you're going, you're getting ready for like an open house and you're leaving like garbage and or like dishes in the sink and things like that. Yeah, right? Like yeah. It's those oh little tiny things. Yeah. And they make a big impact. Oh, they make such a big impact. Yeah. yeah. Such yeah, a big yeah. and it's like always the smallest things that you wouldn't even think of. Like for example, like um one of my one of my really good friends started like her own cleaning company. Yeah. 
So she went through and like I kind of helped her develop these like packages that she can put out for real estate agents. Okay. Um, and people like prepping their home for sale. And yeah. I was like, one of the biggest things is like the nooks and crannies. Like clean, like take a toothbrush, clean your windowsills. Right. Clean windowsills are so nice to look at as a realtor. <laughs> and it seems like, it seems like such a small, stupid thing. Right. But if you're walking through a home and the windowsills are clean, what yeah. do you think the buyer is going to think about the rest of the house? Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. They're yeah. going to think, wow, these people really know how to take care of their stuff. Oh yeah. It's like the littlest things that make the biggest impact. Yeah. Well, actually, Jason and his friend Cam have put in just God knows how many hours yeah. on that, that salon <laughs> property where, the, well, as you were describing, yeah. it, it was making me think because they put in all new, fresh, brand new baseboards and, and trim around the windows mm-hmm. and the doors. New drywall. Yeah. Brand new dr- drywall. And, and yep. like we got like the nice, like glossy white paint for mm-hmm. all the trim. And it, it feels like a brand new, like it feels like a completely different house now. Mm-hmm. It's like all those like accents, home accents are yeah. like the biggest impact. Like you don't have to renovate your entire house. Yeah. You know, just change your accents. Like, oh yeah. And there's so many houses, like there's a lot of houses I've gone through and like, don't get me wrong. Like doing that stuff is very time consuming and it can get very expensive oh, depending for sure. on materials. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's so many homes that I've seen where, you know, people have maybe not fully renovated, but have like updated their kitchen, for example, like yeah. there's like Ikea cabinets and like a new countertop or something. Yeah. But the house is from the seventies and there's still like yellow oak trim around the entire house. Gotcha. Like that doesn't match. <laughs> right. It just makes it look dated. And like you just slapped some new countertops. Yeah. In yeah, it. yeah. 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 Um, it so doesn't like, work. Yeah. Whereas if you would have left the kitchen just completely as it is yep. and just changed the trim, yep. that probably would have made a better impact. Wow. Overall, it, it sounds like there's just a in lot in terms of, of like what you put in versus what you're going to get out, right? Yeah. Kitchen renovations are expensive, so if you're looking to like really maximize the value of your house, but you really don't, you just you want to sell it, you don't want to put any more like big money into it. Those little things like repaint, change out your trim, change out your lights, yeah, change like uh, so interior doors, yeah, like the six panel doors, um, like modernizing those things, like they, nothing has to be super changing toilets. So many homes I've seen where it's like old toilet, oh, where like no. you can see like the like the rust, like the, the mineral, like from the water, yeah, like stained around it. Like it's it can be super clean, but it just looks gross. Yeah, so change it. Yeah, Please. well, I mean, housing transactions are like some of the biggest investments people mm-hmm. make in their life, and it's like so much of it depends on the fine details, the art. Yep. You know, when you walk through like like an IKEA store mm-hmm. down, and you know, I don't think we have any IKEAs out here in the suit, no. but, but like you know, closest I, one is. Barry. Yeah. So like when you walk through those stores, they're they're trying to sell you furniture. So what yep. do they do? They put it under these beautiful pot lights <laughs> and they have all these little bells and whistles sitting on the, you know, like plants and stuff. Absolutely. Like you walk in there and you're like, wow, like if this could be my living room, like right? what do I have to buy to make my home feel like, like this? this? Yeah. Yep. And 100%. it's almost like you gotta employ those same marketing skills yes. or whatever. To it's sell not a just house. the furniture. Yeah. It's the environment, yeah. the furniture. The lighting there, right? and everything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So those little things really honestly just pack the biggest punch in terms of, um, you know, just getting the most out of what you're going to put into it. Um, right. So like, again, if you're looking to sell and you, you want to list in a month, declutter, get rid of all your stuff. Nobody wants like to open a closet to see how big it is and have like all of your clothes falling out of it. Like, right. it sucks. Yeah. Because that just makes it look like there's no space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like, decluttering and just, like, modernizing those, like, little details. Yep. When you're walking through, it just makes the biggest impact. 
Yeah. And like changing out your gross yellow lighting. Like <laughs> soft white or LED only, please. Yeah. Your yellow lights are not doing anybody any favors. We got LED colored lighting hooked up to Alexa all over this house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Down yeah. here upstairs yeah. in the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Jason set up a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. It's uh yellow lighting is gross and nobody wants to deal with it. Yeah. I, I find like when I'm, I'm always like Tracy and I every day are on realtor, just like scrolling through what's going on in the mm-hmm. market. Like something shows up in the market and it's like, if it's up there for eight or nine hours, I'm like, Oh, I've saw this new thing. So anyway, I find that the houses, like when you, when you sort by prices, like high to low mm-hmm. and you look at all, all the sort of the higher end houses, you can see that like a lot of time and effort has been put into staging yes. the property. Like, the way that the furniture is and everything. Actually, yep. funnily enough, when I when I purchased this house, out of all the houses that I had seen that week, the the furnishings and the interior in this house was like the most beautifully set up out of all. Mm-hmm. And then naturally that ended up in influencing my purchasing decision. Yeah, absolutely. I had asked my my realtor at the time and, and sorry, it would have been you if I'd known you back it's then. It's all good. <laughs> but there's lots of love to go around. Yeah. <laughs> so I asked my realtor at the time, I'm like, oh, it was was this property professionally staged? And and she said, no, actually, this is this is the owner's stuff. Like mm-hmm. this is her possessions. I'm like, wow. So she just she apparently really knows how to make the place look nice mm-hmm. and keeps it very tidy. And she understands that this is going to be important for buyers. So yeah, uh, yeah, there you go. Like it was, and and again, like we had you were talking about virtual tours before. So my realtor also sent me some virtual tours of mm-hmm. some other properties, and it was just like I I saw some properties that were. I will say the opposite of the experience I had in this one. And then mm. I ended up not buying those properties. Yeah. Right. So it, yeah, I have the lived experience to, to support definitely the, the advice you're giving. And well, the yeah. whole, the whole goal, right. Is to, you don't, you, you just, you want to make the decision for the buyer. Yeah. Right. So when they walk in and they see something you don't want, you don't want them to sit in your house and think about how they're going to arrange their furniture. Yeah. You want them to walk in and be like, yes, this is the type of house that I want to live in. Gotcha. Um, and it, like usually, like within the first two seconds, the buyer is going to know whether or not they want to buy the house. Oh yeah. Just by like first impressions, right? And right. Well, that actually goes for your curb appeal. Like if your your like yard is overgrown or you haven't like shoveled your driveway in six months, it's going to look a lot worse. And yeah. like already, the experience walking up to that house is going to be subpar compared to other places that like maybe put some like flower pots in their front yeah. yard or something like that, right? Yeah. So there's there's a lot of different little techniques that go a really long way and also yeah. like professional photos guys <laughs> I, I can hear the sigh of frustration <laughs> oh, i don't understand it's not expensive and it's a tax write-off right there's absolutely no excuses yeah zero zero excuses and, and these days you can have like a drone flying through your window do yeah. a little inside and then walk out the sorry fly out the front door mm-hmm. and then put that on tiktok put some music on it absolutely. like you can make it fun these days absolutely you know? and just like, w- without even even if you don't want to do that yeah just get like stop taking cell phone photos <laughs> like we make good money <laughs> Just a PSA. So people are people are actually doing that all oh my the time. They, oh like, my oh, I could, I, could, yeah. I can't even, I can't even imagine. Like, if someone it's entrusted so me to like sell their home, their biggest investment, they're like, we want to get the most value out of this. Yeah, it's potentially you know several hundreds of thousands of dollars for this family. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna put in every little bit of effort I can on the details to make yeah. sure this is this has the best chance of getting yeah. the highest price. Yeah, 
But I mean, I, I can sit here and say that as someone who's not a real estate agent. But yeah. Like, I'm but it's just kind of like common sense. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like whatever. <laughs> like people will run their business however they want to run their business. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and that's fine if you're a seller and you don't care what your listing looks like on the market. Yeah, then that's, yeah. that's your prerogative and that's fine. Maybe you're getting a discount. I don't know. Well, you, um, you could get away with that stuff in the summer of 2020 uh, when just putting anything on MLS meant that you're going to get a million dollar, two million dollar check. Like, I know it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. But like now you have to work for it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it no longer like they're not just like dropping on your doorstep anymore. You yeah. have to like go out and yeah you know, sell. <laughs> Speaking of curb appeal on on this property, actually, I really wanted to. Well, actually, I, you referred me to a contractor. Actually, mm-hmm. I wanted to do some work on the property in terms of like. Uh, replacing the driveway, putting a deck in, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I guess one of the one of the very few disadvantages of living in the Sioux is is the long, you know, very tough winters. Yes. And it's like, okay, for, for that chunk of time. I will say this is a very easy winter compared to <laughs> one of the easiest. <laughs> but sure. <laughs> so so city boy like me coming from down south, yes. I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> it's yes. so much snow. Yes. It's super cold. But in any event, like, I mean, I've had to put off, you know, putting in a brand new driveway, put yeah. off the, the deck construction, all that stuff, wait till the season is back. Yes. And then construction season doesn't really even last that long because like, how no, many- you have like four or five months to get everything you want to get done. And yeah. then you're waiting again until. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like, okay, like if, if we were living, if I invested in real estate in a warmer climate, going back to the whole Costa Rica mm-hmm. thing, theoretically, I could improve upgrade whatever renovate my property in costa rica any mm-hmm. time of the year because the weather is great crazy weather sometimes though down in like right like any tropical South America. oh yeah 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 right like hurricanes and stuff typhoons like whatever yeah. i don't know if typhoons hit there i yeah. i geography is like not i know Sault Ste. marie in northern ontario yeah. geography outside of that is yeah. not my strong suit um but I can, like, it's, it's you know, you have it everywhere. Like, we're kind of in the Canadian Shield area, right? So we're very protected by, yeah. like, yes, we get lake effect. Yeah. So we get a lot of precipitation. Yeah. But, I mean, our summers are beautiful. Oh, amazing, yeah. And I, I wouldn't, like, for example, I wouldn't invest personally. I'm not saying for everyone, but personally, I wouldn't. I'd be too afraid to invest in, like, a coastal beachfront property in mm-hmm. Florida. Because I don't know when the next hurricane is going to come well, and exactly. level the entire yeah. town. So I'm like, oh, well, there goes the house that I bought. Yeah. It's like, e. and right. And I don't yeah. even know, like, can you get insurance for that stuff? You, like, you probably can, but it's like, okay, you get your money back, but like the thing you bought is still gone. Yeah. Like, what do I do now? Yeah. <laughs> Start again. Yeah. I know. I mean, I guess if you have like a condo or something, it's a little yeah. bit more protected than just like a house on stilts. Yeah. But I mean, whatever to each their own. I've Florida sounds great right now. Yeah. My, well, my neighbor is, is going down to Florida real soon. That's beautiful. I, yeah. I'm doing the polar bear swim next weekend. You're doing the polar bear? What is that? Oh, so so Rick Mooney, I'm calling out Rick Mooney right now. <laughs> okay. One of my colleagues decided <laughs> it would be a super fun thing if, as a team building experience. So the polar bear swim, I, I don't even think it's called that this year. It's polar something. Okay. Polar dip. Okay. So every year for Bonsu, there's an event, the polar bear swim, where you like jump into St. Mary's River. Okay. Just like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Except now, Boom. this year, there's a disclaimer on the event page yeah. that says, because, like, weather conditions are, are different compared to, like, years past, you may have to wade into the water first and then jump. <laughs> I'm like, if I have to put my toe in the water yeah. first, like, this isn't happening. <laughs> yeah. You were talking earlier about, like, I don't want to jump into the water. <laughs> no. No. So, it's, uh, hopefully, hopefully weather trends maintain themselves like they are today, because... 
Gotcha. It's going to be really cold. So as someone who is new-ish to the Sioux myself, mm-hmm. what 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 is, and I'm going to sound real, <laughs> there's going to be a whole bunch of listeners right now who are going to laugh into their phones or whatever hearing me ask this question. But like, what is Bonsu? So Bonsu is like our yearly winter carnival. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, like Quebec has, what, is it Ottawa or Quebec? I don't uh, even remember I'm what it's called, sure. like Bonhomme or something like that. I don't know. But we're Bonsu and he's just like this like red and green little Pillsbury looking dude. Okay. And uh, yeah, we just have like a week of cool winter events. And then yesterday, if you were outside at all yesterday, you probably heard a bunch of snow machines racing. I did. Yeah. I did it's hear those. snow machine race. Nice. Yeah, this year's crazy. It's like the 60th birthday, I think, okay. of Bonsu. So it's like pretty crazy this year. That sounds Lots exciting. of events. Yeah, if you go on, like, you, you get like a little button, buy a Bonsu button that gets you into places. And there's stuff for everyone, like kids and like adults. Like, so they have like bum slides. They do like ice sculpture contests. Jay, did you know about this? Uh, a little bit, yeah. You just didn't tell me. <laughs> We've been working too hard. We have been. We I've just been in Thessalon too much. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fun time. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where his fireworks begins to go too, because Bonsu. Yeah. Yeah. The last day, I think, is uh, the, the fireworks. There's some like music stuff happening this so, year. So I'm guessing I've missed all this, or is this? No, happening? it's happening. Like it, the grand opening was, was it Thursday? Today's the fifth, Sunday the fifth. I'm going to look it up here. Bonsu. I think it was Thursday. Yeah, I think so too. It goes out like the polar bear swim Saturday. Okay, all right. So, so um, I, it sounds like I've got another week of this stuff. Oh yeah, okay. oh yeah. Like today is Sunday the fifth, so there's like a uh, the Bonsu curling bonspiel at Tarantora Sports Club. It's part of bon- so. Fun fact: my sister in law's boyfriend actually okay. bought Tarantora Sports Club, and he's like running it now. Nice. So they have they're they're very busy this weekend. Yeah, uh, making sure that operates smoothly. I'm actually interested in in doing something like buying a business or buying some more real mm-hmm. estate in the Sioux. And I, my understanding, I could be wrong about this, but it is, I don't want to change the subject or anything like that because yeah. you brought that up. So I was like, real estate agents do help people buy businesses as well, right? Heck yeah. There's so it, a full uh, mortgage agent from RBC, James Seaton, okay. uh, and his lovely wife, Deanna. Yeah. Uh, I helped them purchase, you know, float tanks, gravity float tanks. No. Oh, okay. wait, wait, wait. I think I, I have seen these on social media. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. There used to be, like, they bought the business, wow. um, a previous business, and they, like, rebranded and everything like that, and they're, like, they're doing really well. See, I feel like that's a that's Rick, an overlook. Go ahead. Rick, uh, my colleague Rick, helped his uh, helped his buyers purchase, they, they own Sunset Noodle House. Okay. So it opened up in Batchewana over the summer, and it was a huge hit. It's, like, best, yet. oh, my God, the best. It's the best fa, the best spring rolls, the best everything. It's so cool. And uh, they just opened up on Spring Street. So yeah, we've been uh, me and Gene Morrison helped sell historic uh, uh, Sean Milling, right. was the oldest family-run business left in the Sioux, right? And uh, that's switched hands over to uh, the Greenwoods now. So another like really involved uh, city family. Yeah, uh, yeah, we've helped <clears throat> lots of people like buy and sell their businesses. See, so I knew that real estate agents help people buy and sell businesses, not mm. just land and houses. Mm. But I feel like a lot of people just don't know that they're like, well, I mean, again, a lot of people don't think about buying a whole business True. rather than buying a house. True, yeah. Lots of people want to buy houses. They don't necessarily want to buy a company. Yes. But like to those people who are like, oh, it would be kind of cool to buy a small business instead of starting one from scratch. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that you could go to a real estate. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Like, so someone could call you and be like, hey, I kind of want to buy this restaurant. Can you help me out with this process? Yeah. That's so cool. Absolutely. Like, maybe I'll be calling her for that. <laughs> yeah, there's like a, I think there's, there was a couple up right now. Um, I know 
I think it's Johnny's Chop House. I just saw it go up on the market like two days ago or something. And like the whole, like the whole restaurant, like licensing, everything is for sale. That's really cool. Like just turnkey. Yeah. Here's your business. Well, you, you want to be able to take a look at like the revenue and the profit margins and stuff. And they have to do it takes, due So when yeah. I say that real estate purchasing and selling isn't complicated, I mean like residential real estate yeah, yeah, and yeah. not even like new builds, like yeah. resale homes. Yeah. That, not complicated. Business can get definitely more complicated so oh my gosh like yeah. with sean milling like you know the, the gene really spearheaded that one yeah because she's been and like she's done commercial like quite a bit and it's just like a whole different ball game you have to get really creative the lawyers are a lot more involved making oh, sure that yeah. like both parties are you know it's it's a fair yeah. and equitable transaction on yeah. both ends when you're looking at like more expensive purchases right like if you, you can buy a business for like 50 grand and like yeah. those ones are typically a little bit easier because you know what you're actually getting out of the business isn't as amazing robust i'll do it today <laughs> there's a couple well, we'll talk. We'll talk. there's a couple 50 grand <laughs> sign yeah. me up right it's uh, plus hsp <laughs> but yes plus that's HSP. so cool yeah yeah i know there's lots of like little it's it's actually a really good way to like sort of make money oh for sure so instead of like flipping houses yeah you build a business and you sell it right well and again like everyone who has, you know, some enough wealth to buy an investment property mm-hmm. or buy a company, there is this dream or the hope of this, like at some point it's going to feel like passive income. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been around long enough in entrepreneurship and running companies to know that nothing is ever truly 100% passive. No. It, you, it's going to take some of your time and energy to keep this thing running properly. Yes. Uh, maybe you hire someone to do it for you, but, you know. There, either way. Yeah. Either way, there's something. Um. So, you know, like, I mean, I feel like when people are looking at investment properties, they're like, okay, here's the mortgage I'm going to be paying. Here's the rental income. Mm-hmm. Here, here's the profit I could be making. But it's like, wait, hang on. What, what if you bought a business? What mm-hmm. if it was a restaurant or like a bowling alley or mm-hmm. a laser tag? I, I don't know. There's all kinds of businesses you can buy. Oh, yeah. And it's like. Oh, my God. Can you start a laser tag business, please? That would be so cool. Right? Is there, is there we one in the We have nothing. Same? We don't have many. Like, our, every fun thing has been taken away from us. Ryan, every fun thing. Our drive-in movie theater, gone. We used to have mini putt, gone. What? We used to have, like, we have, like, a bowling alley, a singular bowling alley. Um, We used to have, I think there used to be a uh, paintball, paintball place here, gone. But what do you think is driving that? Like, it's just, like, they didn't have enough customers or they were being run inefficiently? And- I think it's a mixture of a lot of things. Okay. Um. I think, you know, these were like a few years ago. So yeah. like we, we didn't quite have the same level of a younger demographic or like okay. the students that were here to sort of support that type of uh, business. Yeah. Um, but I also think that unfortunately people just suck at marketing. Yeah. Um, yeah gotcha. For a really long time, like local businesses just didn't understand the value of a website, like oh, a well yeah. done website. Yeah. It, so I think that it's, there, there's, oh, there's so much opportunity. Yeah. So much opportunity. So and we much. have nothing. So instead, like, we have, like, the library. You can go skating. In terms of, like, actual, like, fun activities that you can find in, like, other cities. Yeah. We're definitely lacking. So we have lots of restaurants. We have lots of places you could go drink your face off. Right, right, uh, right. But outside of that, you don't really have. Yeah. Fun, unless you want to go bowling. Yeah. I, well, I think ev- everything you're saying about this is really exciting to me because I was, this was a few months ago, I was uh, chatting about this topic with my dad because you know he likes talking about investing and stuff he's he's built his wealth off of real estate investing mm-hmm. he's never owned a company uh, or anything like that if he ever had any spare 
wealth. He just put it right into real estate. Right. And it worked out really well for him. Yep. But I was chit-chatting with him about this and I was like, you know, it feels like this community could really use something like, you know, a laser tag mm-hmm. place or like a mini pot or whatever, like just little fun activities that I, it doesn't seem to be obvious to me that it's here. And I was also- Or go-karts. I, go-karts. And actually, so in Toronto, Toronto was the first place I'd ever uh, went out and enjoyed a VR arcade. Okay. The, like I, I, I know that they're probably really common in, in big cities and stuff, but like I, I just- it wasn't something that I did. And then a mm-hmm. few years ago, a buddy of mine was like, oh, I live down the street from this VR arcade. Do you want to check it out? So I go and I was like, this is so much fun. This is actually really, really cool. Yep. Like, yeah, I pay whatever, you know, small fee they're asking for for me to use their VR stuff yeah. for an hour. So I, like the I, rec room. Yeah. The rec room is like the most fun. Like any time I go to London or Toronto or something, like I want to go to the rec room all the time because it's so much fun. You have axe throwing. Yeah. There's the VR stuff. Like, yeah. Love it. So, and, and it, I can't imagine that it would really even cost that much to like create something like that here in the, so it's like, okay, I need to buy some VR machines. Mm-hmm. I need to lease a space. So I'm paying the rent on that. Uh, I need to hire some people to, to, to uh, sit at the front desk and greet people and mm-hmm. take their payments and stuff like that. But when you, when you add up all of that investment, um, to me, it sounds like a reasonable quantum. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, you, you add up the figures and it's like, we're not talking about a million dollars of investment here. We're talking about substantially less than that. Yes. So, and, and you can create this, this place that people can go and, and have a good time and be happy and stuff. And you're, you're, I think you're contributing like a VR lounge would be super cool. Yeah. Cause like they're really only like VR. It's not even VR, but the only type of like experience like that would be like our golf simulators Yeah. that we have. Right. And like, so like the roadhouse, for example, the owner of the roadhouse has invested quite a bit of money into like an entire, like, golf simulator room right it is constantly booked constantly wow. like waiting times for people wow. to get in especially in the winter when you can't actually golf right. right it's a huge revenue stream for her yeah and i think there's like i think there's one at sue blasters so i've Sue Bla- that place yeah, yeah it was like there's a lot of potential there yeah i think they just have to like hone it um yeah well maybe maybe i'll start one well who knows it like i was saying it's like it doesn't cost a. It doesn't seem like it costs a lot to do stuff like that. So yeah, like you just have to be, have to plan for it, really, yeah. right? Like make sure that you you know what you're getting yourself into ahead of time, and then yeah, then you can at least source things once you kind of have an idea. Yeah, of what it is you need. Yeah, to even get set up in the first place, and you can start sourcing instead of just kind of yeah. jumping in blind. Well, I feel like the two, and this this is the lawyer side of me coming out. I feel like the two biggest issues that a small business owner is going to face like, let's say they have just like the world's greatest you know real estate agent helping them with the acquisition of the yeah. business and like you know like here's all the details the, yeah. the financial statements everything else but once they actually become that new owner and yes. the deal is done it's like okay my two biggest expenses are probably going to be paying my staff mm-hmm. and paying the landlord the rent for the, yeah, the, the overhead, like for, the yeah, building overhead. Yeah, exactly. Like these, at least, you know, in all experience I had running companies, it was always these, these were the two biggest line items. Advertising mm-hmm. was usually pretty big as well. Especially in the beginning. Yeah. In yeah. The beginning, yeah. So it's like, okay, um, those two sides of the business are extremely regulated activities yes. in, in a legal sense. Like yeah. you've got this probably 20 page fine print contract with your, with your commercial landlord, which mm-hmm. is your commercial lease agreement governed by the Commercial Tenancies Act. And then you've got your employment. Well, if you're running a responsible business, you've got your employment contracts with yes. your employees and that's governed by the Employment Standards Act. And it's like, I just imagine there's so many 
factors that small business owners or people that are looking at starting or buying businesses, they don't necessarily understand the nuances of those mm-hmm. legislation, what their rights and obligations are. Yep. And and then I imagine that real estate agents will be fielding a lot of those questions. It's like yes. you're the person that's helping them through this yes. process. So it's like, oh, well, okay, so I'm buying this business and it's leased. So I'm taking over the lease. What does that mean? Like, mm-hmm. how long is it for? And that's why it's stuff. so important. Like at the beginning, right? I said, you know, part of being a really good real estate agent is having really good partners. Yeah. Because like, I'm I'm not a lawyer. Right. I, I can't talk to the legalities of, of a contract. We right. have to refer. Well, I, I know some, some people don't always refer out to the professionals when they should be. Right. Um. But you refer out and you make sure that they're set up with a really good lawyer that's right. going to help them through that acquisition process just as much. Like, I can get the deal done for you. Right. And, you know, negotiate terms and the things price. like that. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, like, the legalities of, of contracts and stuff, like, you got to talk to a lawyer. Yeah. And and so many different things. Like, right, you, you want to go, especially if you're, like, a brand new entrepreneur. Yeah. Or you've never owned a company, never owned a business. Right. Even just talking to, like, the BDC and the CDC and, like, oh, yeah. We have like business development organizations in yep. St. Marie We're talking to professionals that like can just help you move through the process. And a lot of it like doesn't cost you money yep. because they're government funded organizations, right? That are yep. there to provide business advice for people. Yep. So a lot of it is what I like to do for people. Like I have sort of these like templated PDFs really that I send out to people where it's like, okay, these are your resources. That you're gonna need so people that are like trying to purchase businesses like these are how you get into contact like these are the people at these places that can help you with these types of questions yeah and getting them involved in the process too oh yeah so then like we're all involved like one of my things especially when people are purchasing is like i want to know who your lender is right like are you working with a bank or a mortgage broker don't care either way yeah but i want the name yeah i want the name of the person that you're talking to because we need to be on the same page yeah we need to. We both need to know what's going on so that I can best represent you. And it's it's super important. And the biggest red flag to me in like mortgage on the mortgage lending side of things yeah. is when I've reached out multiple times and they just like they don't respond yeah. to me. And I'm like, if I get this done and I get paid, you get paid. Yeah. So like, it doesn't make any sense for for you not to be communicative with me. Yeah. Uh, but like big red flags and just being able to identify those things yeah. and then relay that information to the client. How often do you, on the mortgage side of things, how often do you find that clients are coming to you and they have all these ideas about the kind of property they want or whatever, mm-hmm. but they're not yet even pre-approved? All the time. Yeah. Like nine okay. times out of 10. Oh my gosh. Nine times out of 10. Yeah. And you know, it, it is what it is, right? right? Because a lot of people, they'll look, some people will go straight to their bank or their mortgage broker first. Okay. Uh, some people will go to real estate agents first because they think that that's the first step in the process. And yeah. that's okay. I actually kind of prefer that gotcha. because now I can figure out what your personality is like and I can I can refer you to somebody in mortgage lending that is going to work best for you. Gotcha. As opposed to like you going around blind and what a lot of people don't like. A lot of people will shop around for interest rates, of course, right? You want to make sure that you're getting the best deal and whatever, but you don't necessarily have to go through the full partial underwriting process to be able yep. to do that. You don't need to submit your personal documentation to 50 different people to get this, to get an answer, Yeah. right? And that a lot of people will just start shopping around and they'll call everybody and talk to everybody and then they get very confused at, as to where they are in the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there's so many people now like involved. Yeah. Whereas if you go to a real estate agent first, they can sort of... Um, 
and it kind of helps the mortgage broker too, right? Yeah, because like yeah. I have an idea of what sort of, I have a list of like, okay, you're getting mortgage lending. This is your situation. Yeah. These are the documents that they're probably going to ask you for. Yeah. There might be more, but this is like a good start. Yeah. So like start collecting this information. Here's a couple of names of really great people that'll be more than willing to help you. And yeah. then it just, if they're starting out the buying process where everyone's making it really easy for them, yeah. it makes the entire experience so much better. Oh yeah. Right. Like there's, there's, uh, I've had buyers from, like Southern Ontario that have just have not had good representation on the lending side of things. Oh, and no. they've come like they're frustrated throughout the whole process. It's right. not fun. It's not exciting to them because they're just annoyed. Yeah. They're just annoyed by the whole thing. And then at that point, once they actually get to the shopping point where like that's supposed to be the fun and exciting part of real estate, they're yeah. just like not. They're over it. Yeah. And then you, you start making decisions based on emotion and not fact and that's rough. It just goes downhill from there. Yeah. Well, my the experience I had was was interesting. I I went through a few different mortgage brokers before I found one that I really liked, mm-hmm. and you know, not to disparage any of the other ones I found. I, I think my experience with all of them, on the whole, was fine. But mm-hmm. I, I wanted the one that I, I clicked with the most. Right. And then I feel like my situation was interesting just because I was receiving. It's probably not a term most people have heard of, but like something called T5 dividends yep. because I was the owner of a corporation. That was my full-time job. Yes. And when you earn wages as an employee, like yep. most people do, what you're receiving is T4, T- T4 income. <clears throat> yep. And the, you know, that's taxed at a higher rate. Yes. Um, but on, on the flip side, it's like, okay, yes, you're paying more in taxes, but I find the banks tend to be more friendly towards you when you have stable long-term yep. T4 income. Yep. But then I, I go to my broker and I'm like, oh, like all my income is T5 or whatever. I'm, I'm receiving the profits of my corporation. Yes. Now, granted, it was a very great level of compensation, but because of the nature of it, yes. I had to find a broker who could work with that. And, and for he, self. Yeah. Yep. And, and he had also like helped friends of mine who also owned corporations mm-hmm. who were also, you know, business owners and, and they had great incomes, but their income was treated differently than the majority of people's income. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, if you're in a situation like that where your your income is somewhat non-traditional, but it's still a good income and you can still comfortably pay the mortgage, uh, you're going to need a broker and and I guess to some extent an agent who appreciates those nuances. Yes. And then, because um, chances are, like as you move forward in your life, like chances are your income situation is going to continue to be just as complex or, even, or more complex, right? Hopefully. Ho- hopefully, yeah. 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 So yeah, I think you're you're quite right. Like having having the right partners with the right people who understand those types mm-hmm. of situations. You know, there's a lot of it's usually I imagine it's usually those kinds of clients, myself included, who will come to you and say, Thanks for helping me buy my house. You know, could you help me buy this business now yeah. and stuff like that? Because they're they already own businesses. They yes. want to do more of that. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. It's just getting like starting everything off on the right foot right from the get go just makes everyone's lives tremendously easier. Yeah. And it's just recommended, right? If you if you're like brand new into real estate, like just whether you're purchasing for yourself or investing, like you're brand new into it, like yeah. don't do it by yourself. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know all there's so much information out there that it's it's so overwhelming now, right? Yeah, it's almost like um, there's almost too many options out there now where it can get very confusing, and not every option is going to be applicable to your situation. And even if it looks applicable, that might not be the best solution for you. Yeah. So just, you know, 
whether you go to your bank or your lender or whoever first or or your real estate agent first, like yep. just start somewhere yeah, and yeah, let yeah. them sort of like guide you through that process. Right. Yeah. And like I've been referred clients from like mortgage professionals based on, you know, personality. Right. And they're like, hey, like you get along really, really well with this person. Gotcha. I trust them, blah, blah, blah. But so a lot of times, right, if you, especially I feel like it's more of like a bank situation where you have a really long established relationship with your bank so that's where you go first because you trust them yeah so it's like that trust factor that comes in right so the people that come to me for like recommendations for people it's because like they trust my opinion yeah it works both ways cool yeah well you almost have to like be a social media influencer now to be a real estate honestly though yeah which is like Like, annoying yeah annoying because like you're on all the time i don't want to go home and be on still Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can get the phone out and you're like, hey guys, hey everybody. Like, like I've just started. Yeah. It, it, I've, I've finally put this like sleep mode on my phone. So like at 10 yeah. o'clock at night, it goes on. Like there's few people that will like messages will get pushed through or like right. phone calls. Um, But I've been trying to do better yeah. at monitoring my screen time at night because yeah. I'm like, hey, like in order for me to function as a human, I have to be able to like decompress a little bit and like. Not everything is an emergency. Yeah. No. And I think like a lot of new real estate agents, which is something that I'm trying to like do right now is recruit, like not recruit. I, I don't like that word recruit, right. but I'm really trying to like bring on like a junior or like a newer agent or two okay. like under me to tie, like to help them. Cause I feel like I, I'm not, you know, I don't have like a decade of experience in the industry, but yep. the experience that I have gained has been a lot. Um, I've dealt with like a range of situations at this point quite successfully. And you don't need a decade of experience. As long as you have something to teach. Yeah, exactly. You can Um, can be somebody's mentor. And that would be like my one piece of like main advice really is like not you, you want to be there and, and serve your clients to the best of your ability. And that means being available when they need you. Yeah. But like you're also a whole human being, right? With your own life, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and your own interests, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. it, it gets to the point like not everything is is an emergency. If yep. you're not waiting on like a closing, or you know, waiting for like a, a offer to come back, or or whatever the case yep. may be, right? There's 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 times where you're up till two o'clock in the morning because you're just back and forth and yeah, whatever. That's not very frequently, yeah. I, like, I've been guilty of sending you MLS listings at like 11 o'clock at night. Oh, yeah. And, hey, like, Tracy if I'm and up, I were whatever. looking at this. If I'm up, whatever. Should we invest in this? Yeah. yeah what yeah. do you think? Jennifer? Yeah. And like, whatever. I'm up. Right. Yeah. So, like, that's fine. But, like, for, for most agents, like, your client, like, just not everything is an emergency. Yeah. Not everything has to be responded to right then and there. Yeah. Like, and it, it does really seem like a 24 hour, seven day a week job. Like, absolutely. Just look at, look at right now. It's, it's like, a Sunday afternoon yeah. and you are like on a podcast talking about real estate, mm-hmm. educating the public about I'm gonna what you know. I'm going to go home and do like three letters of opinion. Yeah, there you go. And that's your Sunday. Try to do my laundry in between. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, but again, that's why it doesn't feel like a job. Yeah. You're just, it's kind of just like my life. Yeah. Which like, is cool. Like people, people would love to have a career that feels that way. Absolutely. And like, don't get me like it's you, when I first started real estate, I was Real estate absolutely has helped like bring me completely out of my shell. Yeah. When I first started, like I was very, I mean, I've always been social, but not to like the confidence level that I have now. Yeah. So it's definitely brought me out of my shell. It's, it's been like a life changer really. And now 
I'm just, it's just I, it's what I do. I just talk about real estate and I help people <laughs> buy and sell stuff. Like, that's kind of cool. And businesses. And businesses. And like, whatever, right? And it's cool that you can, um, it, it can transition into so many different things like this, yeah. right? I can go and sit down and do a podcast. Like, that's really cool. Like, can you imagine, like, let's say I do end up launching a VR lounge or something and people are like, so where did you get the idea for this? And I'll be like, watch this podcast yeah. episode yeah. and you'll know exactly where that idea yeah. came from. Yeah. <laughs> VR lounge, I'm just saying, like, you should put a poll yeah. on your website somewhere and yeah. I think it would go over yeah. quite Like, how quickly. many people think we should do the VR lounge? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that would, well, we just don't have anything cool, yeah. man. Like, we're gonna, we're gonna. I want an axe throwing back too. If you're doing a VR lounge, have an axe throwing section. All right. We used to have one at the bottom of the Canadian Hotel. Okay. I forget. I forget what it was called, but it shut down before the pandemic, actually. Okay. But it was like it's fun. Yeah. And like, you should if you do it. Like if you do an axe throwing lounge, you should make like um, you know how they have like seniors days. Yeah. Like happy hours. Yeah. You should do like professional days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where like realtors and lawyers yes. can go and like yeah. let out their frustrations. Yeah, <laughs> like like professional networking axe throwing night. Yeah, and just yeah. like you can put up, it can be like very private. Yeah. You can put up pictures of people you're really frustrated yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just like, it's like therapy. <laughs> Bring your business cards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's a really great idea. Like that's, that's there you go. <laughs> Something to do on a Saturday, you know. And you can do stuff like that in the Sioux. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It would be welcomed, I think. I just wouldn't serve alcohol. No, no. Alcohol and axes, uh, all the same. I, actually, funnily enough, I've, I've been to axe throwing places where, you know, you can buy a beer or whatever. Oh, like, yeah. This axe throwing place that we had yeah. was in a bar. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you got to gotta be careful about yes like, <laughs> you have to have really good insurance yeah yeah uh, this really really drunk person just threw an axe at me <laughs> honestly some of the deals that i've been in like that, that wouldn't surprise me at all at all um and it's interesting because when i started real estate like I, it was right before the pandemic so for like the bulk of my career so far there yeah. wasn't any like networking events yeah. or like like a real estate board used to do things, yeah. so I'm told. Yeah. Um. Still haven't really done anything. Like our Christmas party was canceled because like there wasn't enough registration. No. I know, and I was so disappointed. That sounds disappointing. Like yeah. yesterday, I was showing a rental to one of my like a potential rental to one of my clients, okay. and it was like John Clavota's client that's like renting it out. Okay. And like I've done deals with him. I talk like we have a good rapport. It was my first time ever meeting him in person. <laughs> So like I get I still like it's kind of new still yeah, right where yeah, it's like yeah. I talk to these people I text them yeah we talk like we've done transactions we've yeah. made each other really good money yeah never met them in person and I've like I haven't met half of them in person yeah, yeah. it's wild and some of them look so different it's funny what you're saying reminds me of uh, not too long ago I was uh, talking <clears throat> with a potential guest on the for the podcast and they said uh, oh can we can we do it remotely like is there a way we can just like record some kind of remote session and i'm like no like these are actually for a number of reasons we do them in person mm -hmm. um, production quality this and that oh well you know like i've done i've done other podcasts remotely i'm you know i was like okay well sure but like this this is how we do them but not mine and not mine <laughs> right? yeah. and the reason being is like i feel like the the authenticity of the conversation like mm -hmm. the way it gets flowing the stories that come out like you end up having these really engaging conversations with people mm -hmm. when you're sitting there in the room with them and, and talking to them about their passions that you 
wouldn't necessarily get in like a like a Zoom session or something. No, not at all. It feels a little bit more detached. If I and, never have to go on another Zoom session in my <laughs> yeah. entire life, yeah. I will be a happy person. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm over it. I missed talking to people yeah. face to face. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited. Like hopefully our real estate board does stuff this year. Yeah. Because it'd be like cool to see people that I work with or oh, like yeah. meet them in person, right? Yeah. I actually <laughs> on that topic, I so when I just moved here. I went to a few different sort of like dinners and galas at the uh, the Delta Hotel, and there was this one event I was at. Actually, no, wait, I don't want to focus on any one. I'll say a, a couple of them that I went to. I had a similar experience where I just sat down at one of the random roundtables. Mm-hmm. It wasn't assigned seating or anything like that, and dinner was being served. And uh, the person next to me turns out to be like a really, really interesting, involved member of the community. On one occasion, it was like, Someone again. I don't want to start naming people and yeah. stuff like that, but like one one of them was very much involved in sort of like the the investment sector, where it's like, hey, we have uh, a number of projects where mm-hmm. we are looking at having bringing in investors and bringing these projects to life, and and it could produce a good return for the investors and stuff. And I looked them up online. I looked through the websites and everything, and it was it was very fascinating stuff. And then at another one of these events, mm-hmm. I sit down next to someone who's like a very uh, senior member member at uh, Al- Algoma University, mm-hmm. and, and we had a very uh, what I consider to be you know very very intriguing, fascinating conversation about uh, you know all the good work that that school is is doing and mm-hmm. the growth that it's going through and stuff like that. So you know just just the feeling of you know being able to go out to these events, mm-hmm. sit down next to someone you you don't know, mm-hmm. and have this really interesting conversation with this really interesting person. Like that was the stuff that you know I wasn't totally expecting moving to like the quote-unquote small town yes. but i felt like i was getting that big city networking We're vibe interesting up here guys yeah you know like <laughs> on that note like when you started your law firm yep did you ever go through a period of like imposter syndrome yes yeah i'm like still going through imposter syndrome. okay i will give you my experience and my unsolicited advice about that okay when I first started out in law, I got my license to practice law at the age of 26, okay. which is pretty young to be doing just about any kind of career. Yep. Right? Like, what yep. do you know at 26? But, you know, I, I'd gone through all the years of school. I, I'd worked at a couple of different law firms as a law student, and I, I earned my license, and I, and I sat down in my condo, and I was like, you know, I really, really want to work for myself. I want to be self-employed. I want to start a company. I had been dreaming about that stuff since the, like the very earliest years of my educational journey. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, now I have this professional license and I can start a business. Mm-hmm. Could I have started a business technically without going to any of those years of university? Yeah, I probably could have in a yeah. different industry. Yes. But, but there I was and I was like, you know what? I don't know. Like everyone's telling me I should go work somewhere for a while, you know, when I'm older, when I'm, like you were saying earlier, like a decade of experience, mm-hmm. I have something to teach. I can open up my own firm, get a bunch of junior associates and teach them everything I know. Maybe I'll just do it later. But I was like, I've been on this, I started my educational journey at the age of 17 where mm-hmm. I was like, I want to be a lawyer one day. Yep. I get that license at 26 and I'm like, how much longer do I have to wait? Yeah. I'm just going to do this now. So you kind of have to just make some irrationally courageous brave decisions that are to- tiptoeing on the line of like recklessness yep but i did it anyway i was like okay i'm gonna go rent this sink or swim yeah sink or swim right yep. like i started my law firm in my living room and i was like 
doing phone calls and stuff and like, like talking to Steve Jobs at the law. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because he did it in the garage. Right? <laughs> so I was in my living room. I was like taking calls from clients over the phone. And I was like, I was totally up front. I'm like, yeah, I'm not one of those lawyers that has like a proper office space. I think I'm just doing this out of my house. And people still appreciated like the advice and everything. Yeah. Else. So then I, at some point, like I found that during those phone calls that many of them would go well where the client would say, you know, like I, I'd like to hire you to be my lawyer. Like, can I come by your office or something? And I'm like, I really need to tackle this issue of not having an office. Mm-hmm. So I, I took a credit card and I went over to one of those shared office co-working spaces. Yep. And I was like, hey, like how much for like a 24 hour room just for myself? Right. You know, I understand you can like get a, like a like a desk where you can go in and work, whatever, but it's all in the open. It's not conducive to my line of work. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I need to be able to have confidential conversations with clients and stuff. And I need to keep confidential documents in there 24 seven locked up. So I need a room here. And at the time, like this was a while ago, this was like, uh, 2014 ish. Okay. And I, uh, was talking to this, uh, salesperson at the, um, facility. It was just across the street from the Brampton courthouse. Okay. Busiest courthouse in like probably the country. And, it's a good place to set up shop. Yeah, good place to set up shop. Saturated with lawyers. And oh, this is where the imposter syndrome stuff comes mm-hmm. in because, you know, the salesperson tells me, well, you can uh, put, give us your credit card and we'll charge you, I think it was something like $750 a month for a little room, 90 square foot room. And Sounds I was like, like okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to charge this to my card. I'm like, yeah. I had no idea how I was going to pay that. Right. I was just gonna, like, I understood that when I went to the bank and I said, hey, I'm starting a law firm. Here's my license to practice law. Yeah. They're, the bank was really helpful. They're like, yeah. here's your operating account. Here's yeah. your trust account. Ooh, there's some money coming yeah. in in the future, guys. Here's your yeah. corporate credit yeah. card. Here you go. You're all yeah. set. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Okay. So then I go over to this shared office space and I give them my credit card and they give me this room. And I'm sitting there with my little laptop, quite very much like I am right now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, like twiddling my thumbs. And I'm like, well, here I am. Yep. Like I have the office, I have the computer, I have the phone, I have the law degree behind mm-hmm. me on the wall. And I felt like I was just this character in a show. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like playing yeah. a role. And yeah. I'm like, what am I doing here? Yeah. And uh, I'll never forget this. I love telling this story. I'm glad you brought it out in me. <laughs> I was sitting there with my door open. This guy, tall, slim guy, walks by wearing like a, like a big t-shirt, jeans, very unassuming character. Little did I know he was the owner of a very successful business. Huh. And he like peeked his head in the door. He's like, oh, you're, you're new to the floor? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, hey, uh, and he looks at my, my degrees on the wall. or He's like, you're a lawyer? And I'm like, yep. He's like, uh, we've, been, we've been looking for a lawyer. And I was like, oh, well, imagine that. I'm like, I'm sitting there with like my, my vest yeah. and my tie. And like, I'm dressed the part. I'm yeah, like, yeah. What do I do now? What do I do now? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, this is the situation. So I, I walk over to his office and you know, him and his business partner telling me a situation they're going through. And I'm like, okay, well, I think I can help you out with this. And like, this is what I'll charge you and stuff. And it was like, again, I was, I was like basically a kid. You're just so a baby. Was, yeah. I was baby charging, lawyer. Them, charging them baby lawyer freeze yeah. as well. Cause they were, they love the price. Cause they're like, Oh, it's so much less. Yeah. But we would pay anywhere else. Yeah. But it's cool because the more that that happened, mm-hmm. the more I was like, I'm actually pretty good at solving these problems. Like mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't, I'm not doing it necessarily at the level of effectiveness of like a 10 year senior lawyer, of course. but I'm, I'm still solving people's problems. Yeah. They're still, they still seem quite happy with the results I'm getting. Yes. Them. And you know, I'm, I feel like I'm being paid pretty well to do this. And I was surrounded by lawyers on the floor mm-hmm. who had their own little offices and stuff. 
Some of them were about my age. Some of them were like five or 10 years older. Some of them were like 25 years more experienced than me. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would find myself a mentor and I'd try to get as much like knowledge as I could. Right. But it, it was, it was sort of a mix of like, talk to your colleagues, talk to the senior levels of senior people in your industry mm-hmm. and also have some courage and faith in your own judgment and ability yes. that you probably know more than you give yourself credit to. For. Yes. And you have sort of all of this and that you kind of like just do that for a few years. And that feeling of like, you know, I'm an imposter. Why should anyone be paying me to do this? It's slowly, it's not an overnight thing. No. As each year goes by, you feel it less and less and less and less. And I think the biggest change that I've experienced in my journey of like being like a, like a doe-eyed baby lawyer to like who I am today is I've gotten comfortable with the idea of not knowing certain things yet. So if someone, That's a huge part of it. Yes. yes. So uh, if someone comes to me and they're like, uh, this is my legal problem and I don't necessarily have a complete answer for them, like mm-hmm. they have six different questions and I know through and through four out of them. Yeah. And I'm like, two of your questions I actually don't know. I don't see that as a reflection on my intelligence or my competency. No, it's something you haven't done yet. I'm like, I just have to research this yeah. and I'll get an answer for you. Yeah. I feel confident. Now, back then when I was much younger, I would say to myself, oh, I can't answer this because I, I'm not qualified to do this job. Yeah. Or whatever, right? Like, yeah. you, you interpret your own knowledge yes. gaps differently when you're young versus when you've, you've got some experience. So I don't know how helpful that is with dealing with your own imposter syndrome. It's weird. I mean, it's like I bring you back to like the, I'm hoping that like our real estate board has like more events, but at the same time, I'm like, like, I'm just a baby. <laughs> well, I'm just a little you, baby. Like I'm going to be like meeting all these people that are like, it, you, you, so you get so into your own head. Right. Yeah. And like to the point of like being comfortable, like not knowing information. Right. It's like not even like the information that we know. It's like our ability to, sort through information and apply it properly right i feel like in turn like even like as a lawyer as a realtor as a mortgage broker whatever you are yeah you cannot know like anything but as long as you know how to interpret the information in front of you and like research it properly and apply it effectively yeah um that's really where your skill set comes in and like i'm the same right where i'm like okay like i'm new yeah and like my clients seem to be happy i haven't had any complaints yet yeah. And they still, like, I'm getting referrals still, so, like, I must be doing something right. But then, like, you get a review and you're like, are they just saying that? Are they lying? <laughs> like, You get a positive review and you don't want to believe it. <laughs> right? And you're just like, I'm still a baby. Like, what do you mean? I'm, like, I'm turning 30 this month. That's, that's not that. <laughs> like, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm turning 30 this month and I just feel like I'm still, like, what do you, like, you, like you're looking for the adult in the room. Right. But it's like, I am the adult in the room. People are going to me for advice. And yeah. that's like wild to me. It's mind boggling. Yeah. It, not that I'm not confident in my ability to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, right? You, you almost just feel like you're still flying by the seat of your pants where you're like, yep, yeah. I'm, I'm in real estate and that's that's what I do and I'll figure it out from there. But yeah, yeah. it's definitely about being, getting out of your own way. Yeah. I guess. But what, yeah, it's an interesting phenomenon. You've bought and sold houses, obviously, yes. for lots of clients. You, you were, I think you were mentioning earlier in this conversation, you even help people with business acquisitions yes. and stuff, which, which is, I can tell you as a lawyer, considerably, like you were saying, much more complex mm-hmm. than just buying a resale home. Yes. So you, you've done all of that. You have the accomplishments to establish your credibility in yes. the industry, whereas there's a lot of people out there who just 
haven't even had the benefit of those experiences. Maybe they have the license, yeah, but they just haven't done those things that you've done. Yes. Um, so it's helpful to remind yourself about stuff like that. I mean, like I'm 35. I'm, I'm ne- by next year, I'll, I will have had my license to practice law by for a whole decade. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes I, yeah, I still feel like, you know, I got to keep up with things that are changing in the industry. I got to learn more. I got to build my, my skills. Like there's always a, there's always a little bit of a feeling inside you where you're yeah. like, I need to catch up on this. I, I think my biggest struggle is pushing back when like someone who is superior or like on paper superior, like has more years of experience, have bought and sold more houses. Like they're, you know, they've just been in it longer. And it, we're seeing it a lot now with like social media and like people doing yeah. blog posts and like videos and things like that. And even just in general conversation, when they're presenting information that I know to be incorrect now yeah. or I don't agree with, feeling confident enough, especially as like a younger agent, right, to like push back to like your superiors almost. You know what I mean? Like, because you, you almost feel like when you like, no, sorry, but like, this is my perspective or like, yeah. this is what I think about this topic. Yeah. You almost think like, well, what do they care? Like, you're just a baby. I mean, yeah. Like, yeah, you don't know anything. You're you're brand new. Like, yeah. <laughs> like whatever. You're you're only in real estate because like it was good during COVID, right? Like that's that seems to be some of the perspectives I've seen yeah. like online, and I like. It's it's definitely an unfair infantilization, and I've experienced it even in open court. Like I've had very very kind, well-meaning mm-hmm. judges use when like, I was much younger. There, yeah. yeah. Like I, there was there was one uh, when I, when I was. Again, in my mid twenties, I was in court. A judge who, uh, you know, I have I have no negative things to say. I had a very pleasant experience overall with this judge throughout the entire process. But like I like I mentioned, I, I feel like there was some well-meaning part of her that referred to me as "quote unquote" a baby lawyer. Uh-huh. But I don't think she was trying to say it in an insulting way. It was more maybe maternalistic or something. Maybe. But like I, it didn't, again, I had my own pre-existing set of insecurities. Yes. And you're like. And I didn't enjoy. Like curl hearing, into yourself. Yeah. Those yeah. words. I was like, ah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm like, uh, I don't. Feel- I need mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like it's <laughs> yeah. just like, and I, and I wasn't saying anything that would, that would suggest that I, I didn't know what I was doing. Cause I, I can say, I can sit here and say, I was quite confident in the arguments that I was making. Yes. And the stuff I was saying, it's just that it was. It was very clear just from looking at me that mm-hmm. I was a very young lawyer. Yes. That I was just starting out in my career. And it's like, well, what do you know? It's like, yeah, I, I just, I don't like, I just look young. Okay, there you go. What am I supposed to do with that? Now, to your point about like, well, if there's a more senior real mm-hmm. estate agent who's like telling you that you're just, you got this thing wrong on this deal and that you need to do this, this and this differently. And they're obviously saying that to you for the benefit of their client. Of to course. To the detriment of your client. Yes. And I saw that all the time. It's probably even more uncivil and aggressive in law because lawyers imagine. lawyers are being paid to be bullies yes whereas the real estate agents are sort of like paid to like negotiate and kind of be friendly and stuff yes but um yeah it was it, it's stressful and i mean while i'm on the topic like i mean this is well known within the practice of law but if you're not in the practice of law you might not know that lawyers are about 3.5 times more likely to experience depression and substance abuse mm-hmm. problems than the average person there's a number of things that that contribute to this. Mm-hmm. Working so many hours that you don't get to spend time with your yep. family, which is, I guess, I imagine similar for real estate agents. It can be. Because you're working so much. Yeah. Another is like that, like I, what I was just saying a moment ago, like the bullying atmosphere, the climate of bullying, yep. whether it's within the firm 
or you're receiving it from opposing counsel or whatever. Yeah. You know, people just don't like to go to work and be treated that way. No, of course not. Um, but like you literally get paid to do that. You're right? getting paid to do that. And weird. You, you hope that it's it's enough payment to make up for all the student loans you took out uh-huh. and then all the years of, of uh, income that you weren't earning while yes. you were in school. And just the grief right? in general, right? Yeah. Like it's it can be the burnout. Burnout's real. Yeah. In those types of professions. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean it's uh I guess it's one of the one of the many reasons that I decide to choose a, a slower, more peaceful life in mm-hmm. northern Ontario versus like the big law game in, in the big city. Yeah, I think it's it's same with like real estate. I think there like people have these I think because of movies. Yeah. And like media and stuff, people have these preconceived notions of like lawyers and realtors and all oh my stuff. God, like yeah. you know, we're living like like Vegas superstars, yeah. right? Where you know it's like very high and yeah. fast and I'm guessing most real estate agents are not living a lifestyle like what they see on Selling Sunset on Netflix. And that's, oh, no, definitely. <laughs> like, no, no, definitely not. And yeah. like, don't get me wrong. Some of them have done very, like, some realtors are able to get themselves to that level. Yeah. Usually, though, the people who are buying and selling that level of home in those yep. areas, they didn't just start out as a realtor. They were probably in like, the sports industry or, or something where they have a really high net worth connections or they were like born into real estate and like dad owns a really successful brokerage or something. Right. And don't get me wrong. Like there's, I'm sure that there's multiple agents that have done very well for themselves, literally just like working themselves from the ground up. Yep. And like, to me, that's like the most commendable because that's super impressive. Yeah. It's hard. But yeah, no, God, no. Like, we have our struggles just yeah. like everybody else, right? Like if you talk to any like financial advisor or like even like trustees and stuff like that, really high, like more money, more problems. Yeah. Uh, it's like really the, and I don't mean to say that to be like, to look down on people that aren't making that level of income. Yeah. But we're not, like it's not like we're scrolling away hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Like no. that's not, like there's yeah. there's expenses, taxes are insane. And there's people like you, we still have families. We still have like, life to deal with yep and you know we we still have the same problems that everybody else has we yeah. just choose to work in a different industry yep i and it's yeah, I, I mean I'm, I'm echoing what you're saying like when i think about the misconception that people have like when they watch a tv show like suits mm-hmm. and they think being a lawyer is like you're making like three million dollars a year and like you're and just like bankrolling everything may, maybe some of them are but the, the truth is the vast majority are not, not. and and on top of that their lives don't look as thrilling and glamorous and exciting as like Harvey Specter or Mike Ross. No. It's just, it's just not happening. No. Like I, I spent years. I don't think Harvey Specter ever like did anything on that show. <laughs> he was just like in meetings all the time. I, I never saw Walking him Walking around anything. with his suit and yeah. <laughs> really clever one-liners or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if only it was that easy. No, like when in the real world, you're sitting there like reading cases, drafting up documents and then having the some court clerk reject it for some tiny little yeah. problem on the page somewhere. Yeah, and you're exactly. like, I used a piece of software to prepare this document. How did I make a quote unquote mistake? Yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like it's <just> definitely like- <laughs> not as glamorous. And like, yeah, like showing like property showing stuff like some of the places that we have to go into are oh my god, not like you don't want to like that's yeah. not something like that's not the glamorous part of the job. Like there's yeah, like we just we we. Show people houses and we write legal contracts. Yeah. And it's it's not glamorous, but it's important. It's like real estate agents, lawyers, mortgage brokers, like 
we're involved in yeah. very huge aspects of people's lives. Yeah. Where like if you're not good at what you do or you do a poor job, like you're probably going to very negatively affect that person's life, potentially detrimentally, right? Oh yeah. So a lot of people like during COVID and stuff, like, oh, real estate agents make so much money. They're not worth that. Why do they make so much money? It's like we're writing legal contracts. And you're also spending a lot of money. Yes. They don't see the expenditure. Like you, you're paying the photographer. Mm-hmm. And if that photographer has to well, show up with a drone. Some of us. Yeah. For the photographer. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like you like the, and the clients will expect, okay, if I hire this real estate agent, mm-hmm. you know, I'm gonna get photos, I'm gonna get, you know, staging. Like mm-hmm. they just and all of that will get paid from the commission, right? Like mm-hmm. but someone has to pay the photographer now. Yes. Someone has to pay the staging company now. now. So yep. you're you're investing that cash out of your own pocket. <laughs> And you're hoping that when you get your commission, it all kind of balances out mm-hmm. and stuff. And and when you're and, and again, you have to pay your taxes on your profit margins. So then it shrinks your profits even more. Oh, exactly. So it's like, uh, like, yeah, uh. You, like, like, don't get me wrong. If you're good at what you do. You, you can live very comfortably, but it takes a lot. Like you need to have a strong stomach. Yeah. You have a very strong stomach to get into like a like a 100 percent commission based career, whether that's real estate or anything. Right. You, you have to have a strong stomach. Yeah, it's it's definitely a personality thing. I know when I was hiring lawyers as a law firm owner, I would uh, see a variety of personalities and 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 also financial situations. It's mm-hmm. not just personality, but like I would see lawyers who came from money and they were very financially comfortable, and that allowed them to be risk takers and enjoy the feeling of being a risk taker. So yes. they would say, some lawyers I would hire would tell me, I would never work for a salary. I want a commission and I want my whole income to be just commission. And I'm like, okay, well, we will try our best to bring you the clients. We'll have a we'll invest in your advertising with you. Uh we'll we'll do everything we can to bring right. you clients and, and you work hard and we'll split the money. Mm-hmm. And they just they they loved it. The ones who, you know, had that attitude, they it was just like the most satisfying job for them. Yeah. And then there were lawyers that were completely completely differently they were just like no i want we the need salary stability. we need stability mm-hmm. i want the security i want the bi-weekly paycheck i want to know that like everything my bills are paid and yeah. I, will, I will work hard i'll produce revenue for the company and that, that's that's your profits you you deal with that yeah and i'm like okay right what kind of salary do you want and obviously these are lawyers so their salaries are yes. high and all that stuff but you know it was for me i would definitely say i always fell into the first category you seem like the same kind of person mm-hmm. like it's just there's this rush and this thrill of having control over your own destiny yes it's also terrifying sometimes, especially (laughs) like uh the last couple years like right before christmas you know the real estate market just slows down because it's the holidays yeah and you're sitting there and you're like okay what now yeah no one's calling my phone what am i gonna do what am i gonna do and then like my fiance like every year he's like jen this happens every year yeah you're gonna be fine you're gonna be fine you're gonna be fine just chill wait which is like really easy to like say out loud, but yeah. when you're sitting there internally and you're like, yeah, yeah, what yeah, yeah. Next, yeah. When you're so used to like go, 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 go yeah. all the time, and then you just have like a month of downtime. Gotcha. Weird. Well, I mean, it's and, and it's during the downtime. I find as terrifying as those little blips of time are, you could sort of like regroup yes. and come up with new tactics and strategies. Like, for example, just recently found this new software that I, I'm going to sound like a total nerd here, but like I I find that this stuff genuinely produces more revenue when I when I when used correctly. So on my Facebook news feed I got this ad. I guess I was targeted for it. I got mm-hmm. this ad where it was like, check out this new CRM software called Honeybook. And it's really Oh I've heard about yeah. yeah. And they have not paid me anything to say that. 
I literally just saw it on my own the other day. Yeah. And I was like looking at all the features and I was like, oh, cool. Like I can send contracts and take payment and I can, my clients can upload documents and like this makes it so easy and it's yeah. just a joy to use for both the, the client and the service provider. So like I, I signed up for the trial and stuff and I was like experimenting with it. And I was like, this is so much fun to use. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, I don't have the time or the energy to, like, explore new tools and stuff like that right. when, when I'm super busy and I have other stuff to do. But when I have some downtime, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this new piece of software. I'm going to sort of test it with some clients. Yeah, I'm going to see how they feel. Do they like it? Was it easy? Was it efficient to, like, close a deal and stuff? And then, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm, like, tinkering around with the app, the mobile app version of my mm-hmm. phone. I, I like. This is just the kind of stuff you get to do when you're when you're a business owner, when you're yes. self-employed. When you, when you, you have to, a little bit of downtime. A little bit of downtime. Like you get to choose your own tools and how you implement those tools. Whereas like if you're working in a big company and you have a very specific role mm-hmm. and you have an idea, it's like you pitch it to your supervisor and they have to pitch it to their supervisor. And then there's this whole bureaucracy yep. and you hope it makes its way up to the CEO or something. And then <laughs> maybe a year from now, your idea gets a little bit of attention. Yeah, maybe. Like, maybe, right? Yeah. Whereas you, you have more freedom to do that when you're... When you're Absolutely. That was the most frustrating part of working my previous in my previous life, right? Right. Is that like I had really good ideas, but like the... the so I worked for Contact North, which is a, a government-funded non-for-profit. Okay. And it helps connect like students to online learning opportunities. So whether that's like high school upgrading or college or university, you can even do like your master's degree online now. So it was like definitely targeted to like Aboriginal communities, Northern communities, it, it doesn't focus on Southern Ontario at all. It's very North and like rural communities. And it was, it was really rewarding. And when I stepped in, I really wanted to like amp up like social media because that's just how you get to the demographic that we were trying to target. And my director, fantastic woman, was like super on board, yep. but we're government funded. So we get to do what the ministry says uh, we're going to do, right? Okay. There's very standard guidelines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's really frustrating when you're yeah. like, like, okay, as an example, we pitched like our, our, our region, if you will, pitched an idea to the organization and it's like a no brainer. Okay. So on the website, normally what would happen previous is if a student was like interested in the services, they'd have to like email student helpline or email like the particular office and try to get connected and try to find contact information themselves. Okay. So we're like, why don't we streamline this? If we're trying to push people to our website already, why don't we have like an intake form embedded into the website? Makes sense. Like, duh. It took a year. Oh my God. It took a year to get a simple, normal intake form that we have anyway. It was literally just, it literally just like, it looked exactly like our CRM, like the information we would input into our CRM anyway. And people would put it in and you'd put your closest center or your closest city and it would automatically get emailed to that center email address instead of having to go through like three different channels to get information. A year. It took a year. Like so many like organization wide like meetings about it. And I'm like, this doesn't have to be this. So it's, it was so frustrating to be like, okay, we can like, our mandate is to help as many students as possible. Yeah. You're not letting us do that. There's so much bureaucracy. It's it's nuts. Like I, so, I have clients that pay me to build and operate their websites as well as their Google Ad campaigns. Okay. I also have a digital marketing company, and like if someone came to me and said, "Look, I want to completely revamp the intake process on my website, and this is what I want it to do," mm-hmm. I could accomplish that inside of a weekend. Like right? they could ask me on a Friday, it's so quick, and I'll send them an email on a Monday saying, "Here's what your new website looks like." Yep. 
So, you know, when I hear these stories, especially when the government's involved, I know. it's just like fixing or changing anything is taking years. Yeah. It's, it's so unnecessary. It's absolutely draining. So like finally, when I was comfortable enough to just be like, I'm, I'm going into real estate full time. Yeah. It's really nice, right? When you're an entrepreneur, because like, obviously you have like legal regulations that you have to follow as a realtor. Of yeah. course, it's part of your licensing. But for the most part, you can do whatever the heck you want to do. Yeah. And you can try new things yep. and you can experiment with like different tactics and things like that, which is the exciting part of it, right? Yeah. Is you can like sink your teeth into stuff and like kind of just see what works. Like my social media pages have gone through like so many transformations. Because, <laughs> like I get bored of branding, right? Like yeah. you're trying to like narrow down like a niche for branding until yeah. you find something that really like sticks with who you are as a person and like right. also translates to your audience. Uh, but that's like the most fun part to me is like gotcha. doing marketing and media and well, you can you could take this episode and you can put it on your Facebook page. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, maybe we should think of like a segue. What's a good because I actually was taking singing classes in Toronto before I moved here. Oh, really? And I actually do sing like karaoke and stuff like oh, that. There you go. But I'm karaoke gonna... bar. <laughs> yes, there. So there we is. We don't have one either. <laughs> we don't have. A, we don't have a country bar either. <laughs> Just do a mishmash. Just get like a big warehouse. You put axe throwing in a corner and then VR in a corner. And karaoke. You put like a riding bull in another corner. And karaoke in another side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Doesn't matter what you feel like doing. Yeah. This building will have something. Yeah. Paintball, yeah. Tank, Literally yeah. a rec room. Jake can help me build it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's got all the handyman skills. Me and Cameron can just do it together. There you go. We're both down for yeah. that. You can, start, you can start a construction company. That's their plan. It's so much yeah. revenue yeah. potential in this oh, yeah. room right now. Yeah, I've been, so I've been uh, watching uh, again. I was talking about closing the episode, but I, I want to put this in here. Yeah, yeah. I uh, Tracy and I have been watching this show on Stack TV called uh, Hoarder House Flippers. Oh yes, and it's just so addictive because like it is. in the beginning you look at it, you're like, oh look at that house, oh yeah. no, and then seeing how beautiful it is at the end, you're yeah. like, that transformation is so satisfying. You have to have the vision going into those yes. things, man. Like, yeah. it's really at the beginning we talked about like presenting the house yeah. for potential buyers want to see it yeah to walk into a hoarder house yeah and i haven't experienced like a real hoarder house yeah i know like my, my colleague gene has okay i've i've it's i've been close yeah and i'm just like oh man i've been one before actually to clean it uh this summer oh okay. gosh for so, the ceiling it was disgusting it takes so long like and you're just like standing in a like the kitchen for example and like everywhere you look, you're like, where do I start? Where do I start? Yeah. So I, okay. I will tell you, we, we have like the big 3M hydrocarbon vapor filters yeah, and like those masks and everything like the, like the industrial strength stuff. Like when you order this stuff online, there's a little box you have to check that says, I understand that this is an industrial commercial grade equipment. I know how to use it. And yeah. so those are the, the pink ones I got you. Got, yeah. yeah. So they've been using it at the other house flip. So we got all this, this cool equipment for stuff like this. And once we're done with the Thessalon house, which you are, as you know, representing us for that, mm-hmm. um, within the next six months or so, I guess I'll give you a challenge here. In the okay. next six months or so. You want me to find you a hoarder house? I want you to find me a hoarder house. Okay. And my, again, you're the expert on what the criteria should be. My layman's criteria is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it should be on a street where the location is desirable. Yes. But that particular house yes. isn't performing at the prices yes. of their neighbors yes. to their left and right. Shittiest house in the nicest neighborhood. Exactly. So if we you can, win every time. Exactly. So we get one of those for like dirt cheap. Yep. And we just put a hundred grand of like beautiful renovations in there. Yes. And then maybe we aim for like 50 to 100 grand of profit or yes. something. Yes. Yes. I, I will totally do that with you. Okay. 
Well, I mean, like you represent us, and then yeah, Jay I'm not. And I'm, I, I'm not doing the no, rentals. no. You're not doing the reno, but you represent us as the agent, absolutely. And then Jay and I somewhere. and Tracy will take care of the rest. <laughs> we're gonna hate you at first, though. Yeah, <laughs> first walk, we're gonna hate you for sure. Oh gosh, <laughs> yeah. I, I know the feeling, the smells. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, before even eating or getting home or in any Especially vehicle, you have to wash if yourself. They had cats, oh, or no. cigarettes, yeah. or or both. Yeah, yes, I have been in that house before. I've yeah, oh yeah, yeah. There's a few houses I've been to. It was I was actually like investors of mine had come to town and we were looking at a couple of like off-market deals together yeah. one of the houses we walked into just like five packs of cigarettes a day hurt this person's entire life i oh swear to god, god. like yeah. everything was yellow you couldn't breathe like opening the door it was brutal and like later that evening <clears throat> me and my fiance went out for dinner and like i kept getting like a tickle in my throat oh yeah yeah and i'm like okay it has to be from like the cigarette yeah. smoke right well it turns out it was getting covid Oh. <laughs> but like yeah it was uh it was my first that that was like the, probably one of the worst houses i've been into maybe you got covid from that house maybe <laughs> oh jesus yeah so if we walk into a place like that you know we would have our industrial strength masks oh on of course and everything else you have to you yeah have we'd to. have all that and then we would be tearing down get the wall a shovel and yeah take it right down to its bones yes you know get a truck yeah. and yeah. trailer yeah to you know everything. you need like a gfl yeah. one of those gfl bins and just but just the, the thought of all that just like makes me so excited, you know. It's like, exciting. Like once it, you get past the the demo, yeah, cleanup process. And I mean, you don't really have to clean it because you're tearing everything out anyway. Then yeah. it doesn't really matter. But yeah, it looks it can be really daunting, right? And, Especially in big houses. Oh yeah, where it's like every room. Yes, yeah. not. And then I you, don't even know how I would market that. Like, <laughs> tired of cleaning your house? <laughs> Tear it Sell down. Sell it to us. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> will no one else buy this? We, we will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, I mean, we could use the profits from that venture to like go start that VR lounge Heck and all yeah. that other stuff. Like, it's all tied together. And I'm sure there's like tax benefits to tying one business project to the next. I'm sure. Project. Yeah, I'm sure that that's that's a question for an accountant. Yeah, well, I found a good one. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah my my CPA in, in the Sioux is Joe Russo. There's, there's okay, a plug, yep, yep. There's a plug for him. There you go. <laughs> so there yeah, go. I'm happy with him and his team. So awesome. Far. Cool. I'm excited for that now. And now it's tied because now I really want a VR lounge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's all tied together. So now I have to find you something. <laughs> you got to find me the horror yeah, yeah, house. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So with that, thank you very much for uh, educating our audience with uh, all the valuable real estate insight and that you've had to offer. And uh, I've, I've really enjoyed this, this very, very engaging conversation. I've, I feel like I've learned a lot. Me too. Yeah. I want to come back. Yeah. Well, One day. Well, you know what's probably going to... We'll gonna, get you some more content first. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what's probably going to end up happening is, like, there's going to be a whole bunch of people that say, I really love Jennifer's episode so much. Can you have her back on the show? And then we'll have you back and be like, this is by popular demand. Yes. Help me with my imposter syndrome, guys. (laughs) Help me break out of it. No, you have no reason to have that. I have a lot of confidence in your abilities. Thank you. As as you know, we uh, I'll mention it again. We we hired you to sell our Thessalon property, Mm -hmm. and I'm more than happy to have you represent us for like our next house flip project. Mm -hmm. And and oh, you can't get rid of me. Yeah, there you go. So there's not there's not a doubt in my mind that you're gonna (laughs) you're gonna help us to to exactly the level of like a, a talented real estate agent. You don't have to. Think of yourself as like an imposter. Thank you. I appreciate that. There you go. All right. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. And thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Sue Podcast. Follow us on Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. And be sure to check out our website at suepodcast.com. That's S-O-O podcast.com.